Hey everybody, this is Wayne, and this is the Greenfield Podcast. The last couple weeks have been pretty rough for me. Many of you know that I have a very sick cat who's been to the emergency room, I think, eight times now, maybe, over the last couple months. He's gone completely blind over the last few days. He first stopped eating, then lost the ability to, to walk and stand. And I thought, honestly, even as recently as 24 hours ago, that this could be the end. But miraculously, today, he bounced back. And he's walking around and happy. And it's for that reason, I think the conversation we're about to publish is very appropriate because there's a place, more than any place I've ever been to, that is a place of recovery, of peace, of kindness, and of sanctuary that has a special place in my heart. And it's called Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary. The conversation today is with the two founders of Happy Hen. One, a uh, once teenage and now I think 20-year-old woman named Zoe Rosenberg, who started the sanctuary, I believe, and I think I say this in the podcast incorrectly, but I think she started at the age of 11, and her mom, Shirsten Rosenberg, who's a Stanford and UC Davis-educated veterinarian. Both of them are amazing, inspiring people who have gone through so much struggle to get to where they are today, which is having rescued and saved the lives of thousands of animals over the last 10 years. But uh, well, there's a lot of just interesting personal stories and some comedic elements to this because Zoe loves to insult me and it is always hilarious because <laughs> she does not, she does not pull any punches. She goes with the jugular. I don't know how many more cliches I can use to describe how vicious Zoe is to me, but it's all in good fun. She knows I love her and I know that she loves me. Um, but honestly, even more than that, I, I think there's something conceptually important about this conversation because sanctuaries are not just places where we can save a few animals and have a different sort of relationship with these animals that so often are abused and exploited. They're a model for the entire world. And many of you have heard about this new organization I'm starting, may have heard the name, the Connected Initiative, um, or other names bandied about. I think I think the name we're probably going to stick with, although I'm going to get a lot of feedback from people like you, is the Sanctuary Initiative. And the reason is this. I think our mission in life, most fundamentally, should be, and in my view, for me at least, and the people I'm working with already is, to make the entire world a sanctuary. And we'll go into some detail in this conversation in the associated blog for why that's the case. But I think there are three parts of what it's like to live at a sanctuary that we need to extend and systematize the entire world. The first is resource provision. Everyone gets what they need, and that's a huge part of what they do, whether that's medical care, the basic food and water and shelter we all need to survive, it's provided to everyone. Second, when there are interspecies or even intraspecies conflicts, they're always mediated with nonviolence and compassion. If it's two roosters fighting each other, a cow kicking a pig, whatever it is, or even a human being, getting attacked by another animal, which doesn't happen that often, but occasionally, you know, a chicken will go after you and it's not the most fun experience. But unlike the world outside of a sanctuary, when, when there's a fight, oftentimes people will start yelling at each other, tweeting at each other, sometimes even bombing each other. Those conflicts are always mediated in a way that is nonviolent and focused on the needs of both the parties. So that's point two. And the third point, and probably the most important point is, the sanctuary experience, if you've never been to one, especially one like Happy Hand that is just so deep and purposeful and beautiful, both physically and spiritually, is the values that suffuse the entire experience. The moment you walk in a Happy Hand animal sanctuary, you have come, you have come, and you can feel it from the moment you walk in to a place of kindness. 
And that is the value that animates every interaction you have with everyone. And imagine a world where the most important terminal value, the, the overarching value system that drives all of our behaviors is, are we being kind? That's a sanctuary. And that's what we need to do for the entire world. So anyways, this has been a long intro. Um, the conversation is a long one, but it's super fun and interesting. I had so much fun <laughs> joking around with Zoe and Tristan, but also talking about a lot of serious subjects. I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. Without further ado, here is Zoe and Tristan. Tristan, Zoe, I'm uh, super excited to have you on the podcast. And I told you earlier that it actually had been suggested to me a while ago to have you on the podcast. I don't even remember who this was, but there was someone who had come with me to the sanctuary. I think it was probably Priya who said, oh, you should totally have Tristan and Zoe on the podcast. So that was such an interesting conversation. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, tell me why. Like, I thought it was interesting, too. Was it like all the veterinary stuff that Tristan's doing? Was it like Zoe being a kid activist and then transition from being a kid activist to going to college? And she was like, no, I just think it's funny how much Zoe makes fun of you. <laughs> and I think people would be very amused by all the things that Zoe says about you. No, I think... It, that, that is true, and it is very funny, but um, you all do both do amazing things. And I, I want to have you on the podcast, not just because Zoe, Zoe can make fun of me, which you should feel totally entitled to do, um, <laughs> but I think both of you serve very unique roles in the movement and have for quite some time. In particular, Zoe, and by movement, I mean animal rights movement, but really, I mean, animal rights to me is a social justice movement for all animals, including human beings. So you know, Zoe, you've really represented the younger generation. I think you started this sanctuary and started doing activism at the age of 12? 11. 11. Amazing. And, and Shurston, you know, you've been a veterinarian, went to one of the best vet schools. In fact, I think the number one ranked vet school in the country, or Stanford grad, really lived a pretty mainstream, normal life. And in the last five to 10 years, not only have you supported your daughter and continued to operate an animal sanctuary that's had over 2,000 animals come through these doors, but you've also... In, incredibly gratifying for me, and, and I'm incredibly grateful to you for this, really stuck your credibility out in the line for us in the context of many of these legal cases, where you've not only written these incredible expert opinions about the conditions that animals are facing in factory farms when we remove them from these situations, but also even been willing to testify as to the reasons activists might find that it is necessary to give an animal medical care from a factory farm. So um, a lot for us to talk about, but I thought we'd start just with the story of this place. We're sitting in a place called Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary, right? Right. Um, and maybe I'll start with you, Zoe, because I think this place is your idea, right? So why did you decide to start this place? Yeah, so I always loved animals um, growing up. And, you know, I was raised a vegetarian. I never understood why people ate animals. It wasn't like, you know, anything to do with factory farming or the way that they were treated. I just like, why would you kill and eat an animal? It never made sense to me. Um, Actually, can I stop you there? I totally forgot you were raised vegetarian. Can you explain that? That's... Pretty unusual, right, in this country. Yeah. How, how did it become to be the case that you're a raised vegetarian? I mean, I guess this is a question yeah. for you too, Shirsten, but what's your understanding of it? Why Why was yeah. it that when you were a kid, you didn't eat animals? I mean, I, don't, I feel like, you know, I knew that my, you know, mom didn't eat animals and she um, didn't eat animal products and, um, you know, I, but I never feel like I really understood like the complex ethical issues necessarily like you know I never watched factory farm footage or slaughterhouse footage like I you know didn't learn about animal testing or those you know kind of details of the industries that hurt animals um it was more you know just being taught that you know 
you're supposed to be kind to animals. You're supposed mm. to help them. And my mom being a veterinarian too, I think was a big part of that because, because she is a veterinarian, even before we had the rescue, you know, if someone would find an animal on the side of the road, my mom would be the first one that they would call. And so we would end up with all of these animals all the time. Um, so I'd always be helping my mom, you know, even when I was six years old, like, you know, take care of an animal that someone brought to her. Um, was your brother raised vegetarian too? He was. And what's interesting oh. is... Um, and he's an older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ben, my right? older brother. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. I love Ben. Yeah. Ben, if you're listening to this, you're awesome. <laughs> and what's interesting though is, you know, he as a boy got picked on for being vegetarian mm. and ended up eventually going um, and eating animals because he was kind of really? bullied into it. But me as a girl, I wasn't picked on for being vegetarian. Mm. Um which is kind of an interesting dynamic. That's so um, fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also was more than him always like, I didn't care. <laughs> like someone could have bullied me and I would have been like, oh, you're funny. <laughs> so there's that too. But like also, but you know, ben it's is messed vegan up. now. I yeah. think we need yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. But um, it's, you know, it's messed up that, you know, girls are kind of sure. more accept. It's more accepted for girls to care about animals than boys. So, um, mm. you know, that that was sad but um yeah I, I mean when I was um you know in first grade kindergarten um I would go up to people eating eating meat um and I'd be like what did that animal do to you that was Damn, always my bro. line um seriously mm-hmm. yeah she would confront other kids at lunch time well more adults I would was confront. this you you just decided to do this yeah it was I can't see Shurston doing this so no <laughs> no that wasn't really my Lewis style would be Lewis is Jerson's husband. Yeah, and, and I don't know, like, father. I don't know what, like, compelled me to do it. Like, I'd never huh. seen anybody, like, you know, speak up for animals in that way. Like, you know, I, I, another thing I would do kind of similarly um, is, like, on the playground, if I saw a kid um, about to step on a bug or um, yeah. something like that, you know, I would um, confront them. And, uh, I like got all my friends together on rainy days and we would all run around and get all the, um, worms off of the asphalt and put them, um, in the grass so that people wouldn't step on them. Um, I remember this kid, it was like his first day at a new school and there were a bunch of ants on the wall in one of the classrooms and he was like smashing all the ants. And I went up to him and I said, if you don't stop smashing those ants, I'll never be your friend. Wow. That's kind of bullying though, Joey. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, but he like, it's not cool that he was killing the ants, but that's also I bullying. I yeah, I honestly thought she was... a kid. That's so mean. I, I know. know. I thought she was going to tell a story yeah. of how she befriended yeah, him. exactly. It's like, no. him no. Why don't we kind of all creatures yourself? You're just like, no. You're going to be by yourself and alone for the rest of your life unless you stop this right now. I, yeah. So even extended insects. Did you always have compassion for insects? Because I think a I lot did. of vegetarians, even back, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even even today, I'd say, but certainly back in this is what the '90s when you were growing up. Oh, you're, wait, what am I talking about? You're, <laughs> you're like 12 years old. No, you're not 12. No. You started it when you were 12. What? How old are you now? 19. I'm 19. So I was okay. born in you're 2002. Okay. So you know, like 2010-ish. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But I, even now, I feel like insect sentience is not something that's often discussed. We very rarely mm-hmm. advocate for insects. We're actually having a conversation what earlier today about flies and is, is, right, right. Should you, I've, should you be using fly spray? And I was telling you I use ant repellent and I try not to kill the ants, but I, I don't know for sure. You know, if they walk through the path, maybe they're dying. I don't know. 
Right. But yeah. No, I, I, was this something you taught her? Probably because I've always had compassion for yeah. insects and not that spiders are insects, but how are you um, when person? I was, you were like a Buddhist in white skin. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, I've always know. wanted to be a Buddhist. Oh, I have yeah, to tell yeah. you, but cool. I'm not, I'm not religious in any way, but, okay. but I remember when I was eight years old, my mom killed a spider in mm. our house and I was devastated wow. and I, I gave her such a bad time. Really? Yeah. Mm. So Where do you uh, think that came from for you? Because you weren't raised vegetarian. No. And it's interesting because even at that time, my mom was vegetarian and I wasn't. Hmm. Come you, to think you of got, it. And you got upset at her for killing the spider. Yes. You were eating animals, huh? Yeah. Was it Charlotte's yeah, Web? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But no, it wasn't Charlotte's Web. I just, I, I couldn't understand the act of killing things. Hmm. And of course, I was completely a hypocrite. Sure. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I remember being so upset with her. And the other memory I have is um, when I was really young, I had rabbits. And I asked my mom if she loved me more or the rabbits more. Huh. And she said she loved me more. And I was very upset because I thought she should love us the same. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of good things about our culture and animals and the way children conceive of animals. I will say, even though we, we say we love animals, including dogs and cats, I still think there's, I would argue, even among children, a deep-seated speciesism in the way children value lies. Because animals are different. And, and I'm not saying that there isn't a natural compassion. I think, and I've argued this many times, that children have this natural compassion. The reason I'm thinking of this is this comic named Tom Segura has a Netflix special. Um, he's a comedian and he, his first joke, which is, it's, it's, it's somehow really funny to everyone. But I think if you're someone who loves dogs, it's, it's kind of disturbing. And the joke goes something like this. I'm going to butcher it. It's not going to be funny, but it's actually not a funny joke anyways, especially if you love dogs. He said, you know, it's funny. We treat dogs and children very similar. And I do love my dogs and my children in a very similar way. The difference is if my dogs hurt my children, I'd kill them. And he, I've everyone heard that. About that. And, yeah. And then he says, and if my children hurt my dogs, I just educate them. And everyone's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. you'd kill your, your dogs if they hurt your children. I'm, I, and I'm thinking to myself, that's kind of disturbing, honestly, because like kids hurt each other. Dogs hurt each other. My dogs have hurt me. You know, my, I have had puncture wounds on my hands. I mean, often not intentional, but even the concept of intentionality is is complicated and confusing in ways that we don't understand. Because like the reason my dog bit me was because she was going after another dog and was in a just hyper agitated state and didn't know what she was biting and she bit me. You could argue that was intentional. You could argue it wasn't. Still left me with a puncture wound. I certainly wouldn't want anyone to kill her because she bit me because there were so many other contexts where she was my best friend in the world. In fact, she was my best friend in the world. So right. it's, yeah, just, that... it's such a weird relationship. Children, animals, and parents. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of makes me think that that's where a lot of our societal beliefs come from, right? Because we expect animals to be perfectly well-behaved at all times. Um, if they bite anyone, no matter what we're doing to them, if they bite us, we're entitled to get rid of them. Yeah. And that's maybe where that comes from, right? Yeah. But we can do anything to them, and it's okay. And yet we're killing flies. Yeah. Well, we're tr we try. Okay. We try not to. I have to say, we really, really don't want to kill flies at yeah. Happy Hen. In fact, I regularly save insects out of water bowls, sure. and um, and I try not to spray the flies when I'm spraying the cows. But yeah, it's hard with flies. They 
Sure. They're... So what do you respond and how did you respond? I mean, certainly, I I imagine some of the kids thought you were being ridiculous in trying to protect earthworms and ants, right? Yeah. So how did you respond then? Yeah, I remember um, one day, um, like a group of older boys at my elementary school, like all came and, you know, were were picking on um, me and like a few of my friends who were like defending insects and like they were trying to like step on insects to bother us. I don't really remember. So this um, is when you were seven, eight, first grade, when second grade? this happened, I would have probably been seven. Seven. Um, and this is in South Bay or in San Luis Obispo? San Luis Obispo. Okay, you had yeah. already moved out here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but I don't, I don't really remember, like, exactly how we would respond. Um, I mean. How did that kid specifically respond? The kid you bullied. <laughs> 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 I, didn't, I didn't know you were bullies, Zoe. I thought you were always the defender of those who were bullied. I, seriously, I always thought I thought I was the only one you bullied. <laughs> I don't. I I don't know. I think he um, he kind of ignored me. Uh-huh. Um, his name. I remember his name. Wow. His name was Ricky, and. From that day forward, anybody I met with the name Ricky, I did not like. <laughs> I was like, the name Ricky is bad news, man. Oh, poor guy. Sorry, all Ricky. Not only there. did it ruin his relationship with you, but all other Rickies as a result of that uh. one mistake he made. You know, it's funny because we're laughing about it, but if this were a puppy he had been smashing, obviously yeah. we would feel very differently. We'd be like, sure. holy shit, that was totally justified. Not only should you have bullied him, I mean, bullied him. You should have like physically pushed him and said, please stop doing this. These poor ants are doing nothing to yeah. you. Right. So it's, that's such a good point. It's, it's weird though. Cause yeah. I, and we're animal rights actors. We like go out there saying, yeah, we believe in, you know, protecting all living creatures and just, I think the evidence of an- insect sentience is pretty good. Frankly, I think I'm so not, too. I think insects do yeah, have feel feelings. Like, they know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. A fun fact about me is I love ticks. I think they're so cute. This and is why you're such a weirdo. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she literally it. made a TikTok. So what do you do? I have, okay. I have a TikTok. So what do you do when a tick is ticks. on your dog? Then I pull them off and I put them outside. Well, you, but you kill them when you pull them off. No, you don't. No, really? you got, no, if you get their head you, out, you, you have, have to pull to, them off right. But if you pull them okay. off the right way, you're, you're not hurting them. I, I, yeah, you I have, have to pull the mouthpiece out. Massacring ticks for the last. 20 years of my life. Maybe I shouldn't admit that, but I'm going to admit it. I well, if you're doing that, also you're leaving the mouth parts inside yeah, your dog. It's kind of macabre. I mean, it's gross. It's disgusting. Well, if you leave scary. the heads in, you're also putting your dog at, at, more risk. at risk. So you should yeah. get the yeah. head so out. Yeah, you, you want to get, get the head out. How did I not know this? I should have Googled this. But. You should have asked me, Wayne. I should have asked you. This is why I'm having you on the podcast. So we can <laughs> yeah. learn how to remove ticks in a compassionate way. All right, but you, yeah. were, you were saying, so this kid, you don't remember exactly. You just remember hating him for the rest of your life. Yeah, do you, I do you still hate him? I know, but like, I that, like I I definitely like had like a burning dislike for this person. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I don't really remember actually having like any conflict with him after that incident. Like we yeah. got along fine, but I did not like I him. Know. In like the back of my head, I didn't like him. Did he dislike you? Did he was um, he like your enemy? No, I don't think we treated each other like enemies or anything. Like we, I think like you know. If, in my memory, I don't know. Maybe if he, somehow he's listening to this, maybe he remembers it differently. <laughs> maybe he's like, oh, he's shaking back and forth. Like, 
in the corner of his room crying 20 years. I shouldn't even laugh about this. If that were true, yeah, that would no, be no, so no. sad. Should we try like, to... Oh, poor Ricky. Should we... All these years, he just wanted to be Zoe's friend. Aww. Well, now's your moment. You can reach out. Ricky, we, if you're listening to this podcast, to find Ricky? let's find Ricky and take him out to dinner, okay. have a delicious vegan meal, and you'll be friends forever. All right. And, he'll and he might be, be an healed. animal rights activist yeah, now. Maybe he is All an right. animal rights activist. And he's just he's just looking for you. He's waiting for that moment you when know, you come back if, together. If anybody knows a Ricky <laughs> who <laughs> went to, who went, who went to Shell Beach story. Elementary School oh. and is my age, you know... See, you know what's interesting? Maybe. I didn't even know you went to public school. Or, was this a public school or private? Yes, school? this was a public. Because I, I always assumed that the way because so many kids who are ra- I mean, I don't know that many kids that are raised vegetarian. I know a few, but so many of them drift. And I've always thought it's because of the school environment, you know. I've and that, a- that's what happened, Beth. Right? I'm sure it wasn't. I mean, obviously the family because yeah. your husband's vegan. Everybody's really supportive of animal rights. Zoe's vegetarian and vegan. So, but for you. I always thought the reason that you became such a dedicated animal rights activist was because you were homeschooled the entire time. So I actually learned for the first time now that you were not homeschooled, which changes my yeah. theory about how Zoe Rosenberg became who she is. <laughs> I, I wasn't always in public school. Okay. I went to public school through third grade. And then I actually, even though my family is Jewish and atheist, mm-hmm. um, in fourth grade, I went to a private Christian school. That's right. I think I did know this. <laughs> and then for fifth and sixth grade, I went... Oh, actually, no, fifth through eighth grade, I went to a private school, and then I went back to a online public school for a high school. Okay. And that was, I mean, it's kind of homeschooling, right? Or is, is online public school different than homeschooling? Well, Because it wasn't I mean, you teaching her. Right. It's, right. It, I wasn't, because she was old enough to okay. do it on her on own, own at that yeah. point With, in with high some school. instruction through right. online. Okay. Right. I, I want to ask you about that experience, too, in starting Happy Hand, but... I, I guess I want to have a better understanding because maybe this is just my personal curiosity because I want to have kids someday and I want to raise my kids as well as you've done, which I think you're an amazing mom. Oh, thank you, Wayne. But if I have kids, if I'm lucky enough, I'm definitely going to hit you up with some advice because you made an incredible kid. Um, I mean, obviously, it's partly your responsibility yeah, too. It's, you it's made yourself. You get a little credit. 1% wow. you, 99% yourself. No, it's 50-50. Let's call it 50-50. <laughs> but I, I just want to have a better understanding of your kind of self-understanding of who you were and why you believed what you did and why you did what you did in a society where everyone else is doing something very different. And what led you, like Ben's story makes much more sense to me, to be mm-hmm. honest, especially given the amount of social pressure. I did so many stupid things when I was in school. I joined the football team, I got in fights, I did, you know, I used, sorry, but I used homophobic epithets because everyone else is doing it. Like it's yeah. so easy to do these things that you don't necessarily believe in just because everyone else, especially as a teenager, well, you so want guess, to fit in. Absolutely. I mean, not even as a teenager. I'm honestly even starting in first grade. I remember like the first day I got into first grade, you know, like one of these kids did the the eye thing to me. Mm. And from then on, I used to always like try to open my eyes really big and just thought, Aww. oh no, if my eyes are big, people will like me. So like I, sometimes uh. I still like, this is really weird, but sometimes I still do that. I think like, oh, my <laughs> eyes are small. Like if I want wow. people to like me, I have to go like this, you know, and because people would go Chinese, Japanese, you know, that. The oh, I remember that. that from when I was a kid. I wonder if kids still do that. I guess I, they probably get I in trouble for doing that. I never saw anyone now. doing that. People did that shit school. all the time to me. It was like wow. Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees, or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, I like, can't remember. Literally, the from saying, my but first I remember that. day in preschool, somebody did that to me, wow. and I always wanted my eyes to be bigger. You know, I have like fairly large eyes for a Chinese person. Not that there's anything wrong with having sure. small eyes, but I have like fairly large eyes, and I still wanted my to have like big white Ugh. European eyes. You know, so yeah. Sad. And it's even, it's weird because like in all the Japanese and Chinese cartoons, you know, they have these big eyes and it's like, Hmm. it's totally because of this weird mentality we have. And even just like, 
the double eyelid thing. Have you heard of the double eyelid thing? Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. So East Asian people only have a single eyelid for the most part. I'm actually unusual. I'm one of the rare East Asian people who has double eyelids because my mom had double eyelids. But all of you have double eyelids because you're Caucasian and white, you know? And so like everybody wants to have double eyelids because they think it's beautiful. It's like European and you see all these models on TV and even all the fucking movies we watch in Asia, it's all white people. It's like, why don't we have some of our own cinema? Why can't we have people we look up to or look like us and we don't have any of that shit? So all these, all these East Asian people in China and Korea, I think it's much bigger in Korea. I think in Korea... I don't want to get the exact percentage wrong, but it's some shocking percentage of women have had this plastic surgery to get a double eyelid. I think oh, it's, I think it's like fifty so percent of women have had this surgery. So, anyways, um, even so, like my point in saying this is, I kind of even hated myself <laughs> yeah. as a result of the social pressure. So, like the idea that you could go out and defend someone else mm-hmm. who's being ostracized and harmed as a kid seems impossible to me. I don't understand how that's done, which is one of the reasons if I have kids, I'll take some advice from you, maybe this is a bad idea, I don't want them to be in public school. I don't want them to be in a school where they're gonna face that sort of culture because I, I, I don't have the confidence that they're gonna be more like Zoe and less like Ben. I don't want them to go through what Ben went through. So can you explain to me a little bit better just in your head what was going on as you're growing up and all these kids? Because you're going to school, kids are eating animals, right, at lunch? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's it- going on in your head? Like, are you just thinking, tell well, me what you're thinking. At first, I didn't understand, like when I, when I was in preschool, I did not understand that people ate animals. Huh. I, I did not know, um, cause, you don't you have know, family members eat animals? No, I, I, I did okay. not, not like immediate family, but okay. you know, grandparents, um, you just didn't, you just saw them eating things. You didn't right, think about I, right. what they were eating and that it might've come from. It, it uh, never crossed my mind that people actually ate animals um and you my mom's told me this story Uh, I don't remember it but apparently like when like she gave you know at home she gave my brother and I vegan chicken nuggets um and she just called them chicken nuggets interesting I think we call Um, them chick nuggets Chicken. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. we were at um, God, McDonald's. You're so young that when you were growing up, you had vegan chicken nuggets. Because like, I was thinking to myself, wait, I thought you were lying for a second. You're exaggerating. There were no chicken nuggets when we were young, and then I realized, oh, you're half I mean, my maybe age. Maybe they were. <laughs> That's why. They could have had animal products in them, but they were at least I think vegetarian. They had egg. They, they were, were at least uh, Morningstar. Uh, they were Morningstar uh, uh, Farms. Sure, did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they might have just. No, she was just a little bit shame. Ninety-eight percent kidding, two percent um, shame for you. She Christian. was vegetarian, but um, uh, Lewis and I were vegan. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, yeah, they might have just um, been meat-free, but um, yeah. So I, I didn't um, really understand that what other people were eating that looked similar was not the same thing hmm. and that it was actually like a dead animal. So you just thought everyone's eating vegan chicken nuggets. Right. So like we were at McDonald's. I don't remember this, but you said we were at McDonald's um, and we were there like we didn't like, eat or buy anything at McDonald's. We were literally just there because um, I think like some of our friends were there playing on like the play. Oh, those were so fun. Yeah, yeah they used to I love those yeah. playgrounds when I was a kid. Yeah, Sorry. so. Yeah. McDonald's is evil, but the playgrounds are so fun. Yeah, so we were literally yeah. just there for the playground. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, they're good playgrounds. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this woman ah, came up. McDonald's. This woman, <laughs> this woman came up to me and offered me a chicken nugget huh. and I took it and I I ate it. Oh, I was then, so horrified. Really? And then wow. she, I guess, came over to me and she was like, told me what it was, that it was a wow. chicken. And I guess I started crying. Oh, poor um, Zoe. Because I, I didn't know that people ate 
we're eating animals. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think there was like that for a while, just like not really understanding. Um, and then once I understood it was, you know, kind of, I, I just saw a dead animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think I was like most people kind of conditioned to, to not see what it is. Sure. Um, but so how yeah, did you like, feel though? How did you respond? I mean, were you angry about it? Were you sad? Were you scared? I mean, how, how did you react, especially as a kid who was raised by someone? Did you have dogs and cats in your home? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So you, you were already saying you were always rescuing animals. So you're being yeah. raised as a kid who rescues animals. And you realize the first time this chick nugget that I thought was like corn or garden or whatever the hell they had in the early 2000s. I mean, they they did the not have those, but they probably had corn. Corn is super old. Maybe they had, they probably didn't have garden. We ate a lot of morning star. Morning star. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Um, I think probably honestly I was angry. Um, and I'm sure I was sad too, but, I, I definitely can re- like recall, like, you know, especially adults. Like, I I feel like I never felt very angry towards other kids for the most part when they were eating meat. Huh. Um, I don't know if, like, somehow I understood that it, they were just eating what their parents gave them or sure. what. Or maybe I just had, like, higher expectations of adults to, like, mm-hmm. have good morals and be kind to others. Um, sure. But, like, I can definitely very clearly recall, like, feeling very angry towards um, adults around me when I saw them eating animals. Um, Like I remember like some neighbors of ours um, at our old property at our old house. um, They, their grandkids would come over and like their family come over and my brother and I would go over there and hang out with them. And I remember um, the mom of a couple of the kids um, was eating pizza with pepperoni on it. Mm. And I went up to her and I said, um, what did that animal do to you? Which mm-hmm. is like, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of my line. line. Yeah. And like, she did not know what to say. And I just remember being like kind of angry and upset. And mm. then the next time she came over, she was actually vegetarian. Wow. So she didn't worked. say why, but I don't know if it was because of that. <laughs> I'm surprised they just didn't let their kid come over anymore. <laughs> like, like I, honestly, <laughs> yeah. like I think most parents would probably say, she said, what to you? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is so rude. You're never going to see that child again. You know, like that's actually kind of cool that their parents yeah. were open enough to say, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this kid has a different ethical perspective. Sure. I guess, did you, I mean, did you struggle to form relationships with other kids and parents as a result? I mean, um, I guess you said you blame the parents. Your, was your relationship with the other kids disrupted? Um, I, I don't really feel like it was. Huh. I mean, interestingly, like, one of my best friends in elementary school, her her family was a cattle rancher. Um, I would go over there and like, you know, they had all their cows and they had like tons of beef and wow. everything all over their kitchen. And um, Which is not uncommon in San Luis Obispo. No, yeah. Right and so I, I, this, yeah. where I where grew, you, up, you grew up, especially farm country. right now, I, we live in San Luis Obispo where we lived before this. It's the same county, but it's Royal Grande, which mm, is like more infinitely more agriculture than yeah, San Luis Obispo San even. Because yeah. um, so, San Luis Obispo is like a little hipster too. Yeah. Right? yeah. I oh, actually a little hipster. somehow um, managed to meet another vegetarian 
at my elementary school wow. when I was in second grade, and she became my best friend, and I um, am still really good friends with her today. Oh, who is this? Um, her name is Emily. I don't know. that You probably never met her. It's not the Emily who used to work here. No, no. Okay. Different Emily. Yeah, she's older than you. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so somehow You're found another friends. vegetarian, but none of our other friends were vegetarian or anything. Um, I think like, you know, all my friends were always people who liked animals. Um, and yeah, but same with me. I, that's why I didn't mm-hmm. have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> all my friends are people who loved animals. I had no friends. Uh, can I, can I ask you a question? So when you're raising Zoe and Ben, what was your thought process? Cause I, I mean, I, you already told me the story about this episode of McDonald's, which I get, but mm-hmm. like this must've been quite a struggle cause especially 20 years ago, I mean, it's better today, but still pretty bad today. But 20 years ago, it was much worse. I mean, what are, your, what are you thinking in terms of, okay, how do I raise these kids with values I believe in in a world where so many influences are going to take them the other direction? Yeah, it was a rough decision, actually, um, because I wanted them to fit in with their peers. Mm. And I wanted to strike a balance, which is why, and so did Lewis, my husband, mm-hmm. Zoe's dad, um, because... Yeah, we we ended up deciding that the best balance would be to raise them vegetarian but not vegan. Because that way, when they went to birthday parties, they could eat the cheese pizza, eat the cake. Eat the cake, for sure. They wouldn't have to be that kid that, you know, the mom always had to bring their special food Uh and, uh like, they feel different. Which, you know, not that that's so terrible and I feel, you know, bad for families that do have to deal with that. But, um, yeah, we just, we wanted to strike a balance there, but, and also, I mean, Lewis and I evolved over the years too. Mm -hmm. We weren't, we weren't as strong with our animal advocacy at the beginning. Mm. So, um, and I, I think the kids kind of took their cues from us um. Yeah. Did what you, do you struggle? Mean? I mean, did you did you ever think to yourself, "This is too much. I should just no. let the kids eat what they want." No. Did they? It, did the Never. kids actually independently push back? Did you ever feel like the kids were pushing back, or did you just feel like the culture as a whole was pushing back? I felt like Ben at ben times because um, his grandparents wanted to give him mm. meat at times. And Your parents or Lewis's? Lewis's. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it was well-intentioned on their part. I sure. know, like, they just didn't want him. They felt like he was missing out. Yeah. My grandma tried to slip beef broth into my food for years after I was vegetarian. Mm. And legit, she she apparently talked to my parents about having me institutionalized when I went <laughs> vegetarian because she thought I was going to die. My grandma yeah. also thought Chinese people have to eat rice, so she's not the most scientific <laughs> person. She just thought, no, it's in our genes. Like, you're Chinese, you must eat rice. And I was like, I'm not eating rice. I like bread. And now, funnily, I eat neither rice nor bread. So, and I'm still alive somehow. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, did you, so how did you, so Lou, Ben is pushing back because his grandparents are telling him, you've got to eat this. Yeah. And, and then also how do you respond he, to that? Did you ever just think this is too much? We have to just let them do what they want to do or do what the other kids are doing? I felt very strongly that I did not want my kids eating yeah. animals. Okay. I, I felt like I could deal with them eating animal products, even though mm-hmm. that was upsetting too. Sure. Um, 
But there's something about but the actual physical body. There's something about the flesh of an animal that yeah. I, I felt. I even remember, um, this is weird to admit, but I remember before, when I, I think I must have been pregnant with Ben, I remember thinking, wow, would I still love my child if they ate wow. dead animals? That's intense. <laughs> right. But of course, then I became a mom and like you love your child no matter yeah, what. You, do. I agree. you really do. But yeah. um, I, I did wonder yeah. about that if Moms I could handle best. that. And so I no, I never felt like it was okay for him to eat meat. It really bothered me. But did Lewis feel as strongly as you did about this? Were you, was no, this a, he okay. didn't feel quite. I don't think he had the same visceral feeling okay. about it that I had. I think he just felt that it wasn't right to kill animals. Okay. And, but yeah, he, his feeling about it was a little bit different. Hmm. Um, but it did just get to a point where it became such a conflict issue and I really kind of lost control sure. over it. And so I couldn't with really, ben, you mean. with Ben. Yeah. And I really couldn't control what he was eating when sure. he was with his friends. Yeah. Or at school. I mean, they go to lunch. Right. What are you going to do? And it, and honestly, He's a very, well, I mean, Zoe's very independent too. Both of our kids are very independent. But I realized that the more I made an issue of it, it would only just make yep. it worse. And so I ended up just saying no meat in the house, but sure. I can't control what you do when you're not home. So how do you, why do you think you felt so strongly about this? Because I feel like even most animal advocates and vegetarians and vegans and the same is probably true of environmentalists who care a lot about the environment, don't think to themselves, like, I don't think there are too many parents thinking to themselves, if my child drives an SUV, I won't love them. <laughs> or, you know, like, <laughs> like I, if my child becomes, you know, a Republican, I won't, maybe, actually, maybe they do. <laughs> Especially nowadays, like, the Republican Party has gone so south, it's like, actually, if my child is a Republican, I won't. No, I mean, of course. <laughs> should love your child, even if they're a Republican, even if they drive an SUV. But certainly with animals, I don't think there are too many even vegetarians. Why is it that you felt this strongly about it? Oh, that's a really good question. Because that is an extreme is, belief. I it's think. just such a visceral feeling, feeling. for me that yeah. that I don't want to harm animals. Mm. And but you know, I didn't even become vegetarian until I was twenty four. Well, even though you condemn your mom at the age of eight for killing a spider, a spider. Yeah. right? I mean, how hypocritical! It just yeah. goes to show. But so this is when you were. So in I vet don't school? judge other people. Um, yeah, it yeah. was at the beginning of veterinary school. Oh, I didn't school. realize. So even you and Lewis at Stanford, were you and Lewis at Stanford together? That's we were. Yeah, okay. we met our freshman year. You weren't vegetarian then? No, we weren't. Wow. So you went vegetarian together? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. actually, okay, so this is part of my visceral thing though, because okay. once wow. I became vegetarian. Are you going to call it Lewis? He, yeah. Oh, maybe I should. <laughs> no, do it. I it's going to be fun. But, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have, I have a way of saying too much no, okay. sometimes. We all, we all love Lewis. No, everybody in the room loves Lewis. Caleb doesn't even know Lewis, and Caleb yeah. loves Lewis. No, Lewis he's, is amazing. Um, he he's is like amazing. one of the most smart, generous people I've ever met. Every time I have a conversation, I'm just like, this guy's so cool, and I want to learn more from him. So yeah. we'll talk shit about him now, and so, then we'll say well, nice things about really him Well, it's not really talking shit about him, but yeah. it just... Um, so, yeah, he was still eating meat. Um, when I became vegetarian huh. because he didn't have the same trigger I did. Sure. I, I watched uh, a movie called the animals huh. and that is what triggered me. I never ate meat again after that. Wow. It's called the animals. Yeah. I never even heard it of was, that. this was back in the early nineties. Yeah. So, and it was a, a friend of mine in vet school okay. who loaned it to me. Wow. 
And what was it about? What 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 about just, this documentary was, changed you? It was a little bit like Earthlings, to be really? honest. Like it was like the you know, it just kind of went through all the different industries and things and sure. the ways that humans treat animals. Yeah. And it Earthlings, start, for those of you who don't know, is a documentary made by Sean Monson that goes through the five main areas of animal exploitation. So just right. for reference so for our it, listeners. It was maybe like the nineties, the early nineties oh. version of oh, that. Earthlings. I don't know. Wow. But it that had a huge impact hmm. on me. Um, but then it wasn't until just because six, of how comprehensive it was, because of how vivid the footage no, was. No, it was, was actually it within two minutes of watching it, wow. I I stopped eating meat. Yeah. Like I was done. At, because yeah. okay, the reason why is I've always loved rabbits. Hmm. And the film started out with um and I don't know what year this was, but something that happened in Idaho, I guess rabbits had just overpopulated the state and they were literally beating rabbits to death and throwing them in piles. And there was something about watching that, that just, I I don't know, that just turned me forever. I never looked back. And, and then it was just kind of, it's not that that was the only thing, but I think, I think it had been building there. Yeah. They're just killing them. They just, they were like pests, sticks? right? Uh huh. Okay. Like wow. I think I don't know if they had bats or it was something. They were just, you know, smashing them. Yeah. And so rounding them up probably in the pens, yeah, or something like that, and then. Wow. Yeah, I think they chased them out of the bushes or something, and yeah, and there were these piles of dead rabbits, and oh, so anyway, but back to Lewis, he didn't have that same trigger, mm-hmm. and so he was still eating meat for about six more months. And, um, I remember like, I didn't even want to kiss him. Oh, poor be, Lewis. I know. But poor you too. I mean, and poor animals. Well, but, poor but just like, that's what I mean. Like the visceral yeah. thing, like, like there's something about like, and you had been dating for a while at this point. Oh, he was, I mean, he was and is, and always has been the love of my life, Aww. you know, but it really disturbed me that dead animals were sure. going into his, his body. body. And like, yeah. I, that's how I think like. The dead animal is becoming part of your body too. And so his body was made up of dead animals as mine was before. Sure. And it, I I don't know. It's just. Why do you think you had such a visceral reaction? Because again, I think even most people who care about animals and even most vegetarians don't have that extent of a reaction. You know, they might feel that way a little bit. But it doesn't get to the point that their boyfriend of probably many years at this point, because you met him at Stanford. Oh, we were married. Oh, you're married. So yeah. this is your husband, not even yeah. your boyfriend. Yeah, no, he was my husband. Okay. Yeah. So what, why do you think you had such an intense visceral reaction? What was it about your background, your experience, or even just your personality? Probably just more my personality, but yeah. I... Because you just loved animals. I loved that? animals. And I've just always thought about food in that way, too, that you are... What you eat. You, you are what you eat, and it becomes a part of you. And yeah. just, I don't know, just kind of a the circle of life and yeah. how we all go back to the earth and yeah. the earth becomes a part of us. And I, I don't know. And just to think of dead animals being a part of someone's body, yeah. even though they were a part of mine for so many years. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The last podcast I did, bunnies came up quite a bit too, because Noah Smith, who's not even a vegetarian, great guy. And he actually believes in animal rights. And during the podcast, he, he talks about how terrible meat is. And he said, the difference is you take it a little more seriously than I do because <laughs> you don't eat meat and I do. But yeah. um, one of the reasons he thinks meat is terrible is because he has bunnies. Um, mm. He's really brilliant economist, graduated you know, 
from University of Michigan, got a great job at, I don't remember what school, and he's a columnist at Bloomberg and has like, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of followers, just really smart guy, who is, is usually very much like a numbers, rational, and then when you talk about bunnies, he just melts. And one of the things, I think it was Noah who, who first informed me of this, but um, a few years ago, because he helped us on the fur band campaign. Bunnies are the third most common companion animal in the United States. And the, they're the only common companion animal in the United States that's also eaten very regularly. You can buy bunnies for food pretty much everywhere. Um, and because they're so small, you know, there's literally hundreds of millions of them are being killed for fur, for meat, for all sorts of reasons. And, and because they're considered pests in some cases too. And, and Noah, I think it was Noah who first told me this like many years ago in the fur band campaign. He said, you know, bunnies are actually the key. <laughs> if we're going to convince people to not eat animals, because we don't eat dogs and cats in the United States. In China, you can kind of tie this companion relationship to the meat industry because there are people in China who have dogs. In fact, it's increasingly common because the one-child policy until very recently forced many families to only have one kid. They'd adopt a dog because their kid was lonely. In China, they do eat dogs, so you can at least tie those things together. In the United States, we, just we have this conceptual distinction between dogs and cats on the one hand and then cows, pigs, and, and, and chickens on the other. Bunnies are the, they're the, the species. They're, they're the one that just, they complexify the situation using mm -hmm. a word that Jeff Bezos is most famous. I, I, don't, even <laughs> want to, I don't know why I use that word. I, just, it's a good I don't word. even think complexify is a real word. I think Jeff Probably Bezos made not. it up. But, and he made it up when he was, anyways, it doesn't matter when he made it up. He wrote a famous <laughs> letter where he uses the word complexify and everyone was joking about it. But anyways, um, so I wonder if there are a lot of other people who have that experience. Did you have bunnies as companions when you were growing oh, up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bunnies so that's part were, of the reason. Yeah. yeah. And they're beautiful. Yeah. Oh, bunnies. They're just, they're so sweet and like innocent and, yeah. and they get, they get so scared easily. And yeah. that's one of the reasons that it seems so horrible to me that they're yeah. used in the food chain and also for animal experimentation too. Yeah. It's kind of funny to me that you're talking about saying that you weren't sure if you'd be able to love your kid if they ate meat. Um, and now we're talking about bunnies mm -hmm. because then you had Ben and he's allergic to bunnies. He oh. is Did allergic that. to bunnies. That's why you've never had bunnies here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, poor Sherston. Oh, it's sorry. okay. You sacrificed Now I love kids. chickens. I, my, yeah. You found a substitute for Chickens your, are the new passion. bunnies. Yeah. Chickens are the new bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> they should make a TV I show. I still love bunnies though. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Chickens are the new bunny. Yeah. No, I mean, so one of the things that's really interesting about this story, and I, I just, I'm going to, we should move on from this subject after this is, so the name of this podcast is The Green Pill. And it's named The Green Pill because Ezra Klein coined this term when he first went vegetarian. He said, it was like I took the green pill. And it's from the Matrix where, you know, you could take the red pill and the blue pill. If you take the red pill, you, you lead the delusion of this dystopian world where they're actually holding all these humans in batteries and, you know, using them as energy when they're basically being enslaved by the machines. And the reality is, you know, they're, they had these delusions because they're plugged into these battery systems that make them think their lives are fine when in fact there's these terrible things. And the question is, do you want to take the red pill and come out of this and see the world for the way it is? And Ezra said, realizing that animal suffering exists and it matters is like taking a green pill where you, you suddenly unplug from all the programming, all this stuff that's being pumped in your brain about what you eat and what our relationship with the natural world is. And you look around everywhere and just see violence and suffering. And it's so fucking hard. It's so fucking hard. And I will think what, what's, but what's interesting about this story and what you're trying to do for your kids 
is it's almost like they're taking the inverse of the green pill. Maybe let's call it the yellow pill or something like that, <laughs> where Zoe's kind of born with an animal rights mentality and thinking, oh, the world is a nice place. We, of course, we don't eat animals. Someone offers me a chicken nugget. It must be a vegan chicken nugget. And then she's told, no, the world's a bad place. You know, so like you came in with the animal rights mentality and then took like a yellow pill and suddenly saw the world the way it is because you thought we were where the world should be. So, and I just wonder if there's some difference in the way, because a lot of what this podcast has done for people is just help people grapple with social change and personal change. I mean, this is a podcast about change. And most of the time it's, it's change where we recognize something is bad about the world and about ourselves. And in your case, it's like you thought the world was good and then the world was bad. And I, I just want to have a better understanding of how you grapple with that, as, especially as a child. So how did either of you grapple with that? I mean, did Zoe tell you when she first found out that, you know, kids were offering her chicken nuggets and these are actually animals? And how does the family collectively grapple with this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... I don't remember it honestly being a huge issue. Really? Even with um, them? That was like a thing that I feel like, you know, I was very mad at Ben when he huh. was e started eating animals. Like, you know, I, I was probably like yelling at him at home. And, wow. um, you know, I know my mom wasn't happy with him either. Um, I was probably a lot meaner to him about it. Oh, poor Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I even remember, actually, I think my Emily, my friend from elementary school, I think we probably both would like <laughs> give Ben a hard time about it. Hmm. Um, but what does that mean specifically? I don't know. Just like um, I, I don't really recall like exactly what I said when he first started to eat animals. Um, but I know like. More recently, again, now he, he doesn't, but, um, like, you know, I, if he would go to eat animals, I'd be like, cause we have obviously rescued animals here. I'd be like, you're eating Buddha. Mm. Um, you're killing Buddha. You're killing Daisy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would, you know, say things like that to him. Um, but yeah. How would I mean, he respond to that when you said that? I mean, cause did, would he say, no, I'm not. Daisy's still there and she's alive. Yeah. No, he would. There is a difference between what I'm doing and yeah. what the, they're doing at the slaughterhouse. Right. Right. So yeah. would no. you say that or how would No, he respond? would. He okay. would. Um, but, and I, and actually, tell I, I actually think there's an argument for that. You know, I, I understand that perspective. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I do think though that um, I could tell he felt bad. Hmm. Like he definitely felt bad. Yeah. Which I think in a way probably made me do it more. Oh. <laughs> He also didn't like me. No, he yeah. didn't like it, and it He's made doing him just sick. Of social pressure. He, he yeah. made him sucks, sick. Man. Like the first time he ate meat, he threw up and yeah. vomited. So, yeah, it was just yeah a social pressure thing. But because it's um, a terrible food, yeah. and I'm not even some sort of like vegan extremist who thinks you know all meat isn't healthy. Because I think you can eat a very healthy diet with some meat, but it is not a great food for you, especially like factory farm meat. It's terrible stuff. I mean, milk too. I mean, I'm fucking lactose intolerant and they're feeding me milk. I mean, San Francisco where one third of the kids are Asian and all, you know, all, all 98% of East Asians are lactose intolerant Chinese people. They're being subsidized and told they have to drink milk at lunch. It's There's crazy. no other drink available. It's like you can drink water or milk. You can be the weird yeah. kid who just says, I don't want the milk or you get nothing. 
It's like, what the hell? And so yeah. they're doing this to Ben too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So t- you can understand why kids crack under that. I, I mean, completely yeah. understand because I, I mean, Ben and I have similar personalities. Yeah. And when He's I was growing kid. up, I always wanted to fit in. Yeah. And I understand that need to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Or Zoe, ben, ben cares I about say, animals. Oh, he does. He, he cares he does. about animals. He loves the animals at this farm sanctuary. Oh, he does. Yeah, I mean, does. in fact, Buddha is the reason why he ended up going, going vegan. vegan. Oh. Ultimately. Yeah. That warms my heart. Yeah. But Ben Buddha has is always... a cow, for those of you who don't. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. we should say not, that. Not Buddha. The Buddha. <laughs> I mean, it would be oh, great wow. if, like, the Buddha's Buddha. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe maybe that Buddha influenced him a little bit, you know, yeah. subtly. Buddha yeah. the steer. Yeah, yeah, Buddha the cow, not yeah. Buddha the, the master, yeah. sage. The, right. The, the, I mean, what do they call him? I'm Buddhist. I should know what they call him. What was Buddha? He was a wise man? I, whatever. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I think... Um, when it became an issue in my head, like where I felt like the like what's happening to animals started to um, affect my life, um, was honestly probably around the time when I started the sanctuary and everything. And um, I remember, like, I I, I remember seeing a video from, I think it was a Mercy for Animals investigation Mm. um, of Butterball Turkey. Mm. Um, Awful place. Awful place. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all awful places. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was video of people, of the the workers, um, hitting the turkeys with these sticks Mm -hmm. um, and beating them to death. Yeah. Um, you showed that video, and with I me, yeah, and, and I, I went hysterical. And I showed yeah. I and I showed my mom, and I remember her being really upset. And honestly, anyone should. Yeah. I, mean, I think most people, if they see these videos, but are, are, I was yeah. actually really angry with my mom because I um was so upset about this, and I felt like we like ha- you know just like. We have to do something. Sure. We can't just not do anything. Hmm. And so... Um, Why did you feel that way? I don't know. I, I just... I think, like, it, it just seemed, like, Because you didn't have wrong. an activist upbringing, right? It's no, like not really, no. We did go and um, We went protest. to one We protested protest. the Iraq War. I don't well, even remember it. Yeah, I took you and Ben, and then I went to other protests myself without you. But guys. I don't even remember that. Well, no, but you. Um, I, I remember I um, printed out a bunch of pictures of the butterball turkeys, um, and I remember being up in my room with popsicle sticks, um, gluing popsicle sticks together, making protest signs that um, were glued on these sticks hmm. with the turkeys. Um, with like messages, I'd um, I'd like edited the images to have like messages on them. Um, Did you have turkeys here at that point? No, we didn't no. have any birds. Have you met a turkey before? No, I never met. So a it was turkey. just yeah, almost completely conceptual yeah. and ethical at this point for you, yeah. not a personal. Right, that's interesting. Actually, we might have had chickens at this point, but okay. we didn't have the rescue. We would have just had um, a, a few chickens. Yeah. Um, was that important? I imagine oh, yeah. that would have been the important. Chi- I feel the like chickens are very important. It's when you meet. These yeah. individuals. No, the in chickens view, completely you... changed my life. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, <laughs> I had these um, signs I'd made and I, I went to my mom and I was like, all right, we got to go protest this. And I was like, you know, we could go, you know, out 
into downtown slow or, or we could even just go to the bottom of our driveway and the people driving by our house could see us and my mom wouldn't do it. Wow. She wouldn't do it. And I was so I don't even mad remember that. Huh. That she wouldn't do it. In her defense, my signs were horrible, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we could have made, I mean, we so made different signs. Huh. Um, but she wouldn't do it. And I was yeah. very Why very did she upset. why wouldn't she do it? Because I mean, your mom already did care enough about animals that even before she was having Ben that yeah. she's saying if Ben eats animals, I might not love him. <laughs> I don't really understand. Like, in my why, experience, I, you're down for like, you know. Most things, especially in supporting your children. Well, so, there are yeah, some and I loved the, the idea but, of protesting too. Yeah. But I do remember when we did finally go to our first protest, I was so nervous. Yeah. I, my entire body was shaking. Yeah. Were yeah. You, was, did you have the same reaction for the Iraq war protests? No, and I think that was because it was a completely different situation. Sure. There were thousands of people at the Iraq yeah. war protests, and it felt very mainstream. Yeah. Our first animal rights protest it was just us and a couple other people yeah yeah and like i had organized it it was at the san luis obispo bacon festival wow. there were thousands of people attending the event yeah so and, thousands of people there against you right not thousands right. of yeah. people there for and the we're protest. standing there with our signs i would have been i would have just turned 12 12 and so this is before happy hen had officially no started? we had happy hen at this okay. point um but I I bought a megaphone. Wow. And I was like, you know, screaming into the megaphone. Was this post DXE? This was before I got involved with DXE. But you had seen DXE. Yeah, I think I had okay. seen DXE. The reason I think this is that that would be that's really interesting is because when we started DXE, there were no protests of farm animal abuse. In well, fact, and, people used to condemn us and say we had this really funny conversation earlier about how I don't want to say anyone anyone's name, but someone was saying to you, you can't protest vivisection. That's not an appropriate yeah. tactic for vivisection. In 2011, 2012, 2013, it was the opposite because everyone was involved in animal agriculture. Right. The, the assumption was, and in fact, the history of the animal rights movement was, you don't protest the meat industry because yeah. it's, it's too, it has too much popular support. Well, vivisection, yeah. you can condemn that narrow segment, that 0.1% of the population that's sure. involved in exploiting these animals, even though we all kind of are involved in some sense because right. we're buying the medication, we're part of the same healthcare, biomedical industry. But yeah. it's interesting. So, yeah. yeah okay. I actually So remember, DXE probably influenced you in, to some degree. Yeah. You, know, you I thought seen, like, oh, you can actually do this. I had seen DXE videos protesting and I, that was like the first moment I okay. had where I was like, this can be done. Like, wow, not even so much that this can be done, but like, like we can actually, like, I don't know. It was like kind of, I'd almost never conceptualized the idea that there could be a movement against, so I guess, yeah, this could be done. Yeah. yeah. Like th there could be a movement against this, um, and that things could really change. Um, and I actually remember when the, when the bacon fest, when I first saw that it had been scheduled, I still, even though I had seen those videos, I still kind of thought like, um, well, I can't do it. Like, hmm. you know, someone else has to organize it. Like I, I would go, but like, well, you're also 12 years old. <laughs> right. But I actually remember I messaged you. You probably don't remember at all. Oh, I yeah, messaged yeah. you oh, on no, Facebook. Oh, no, another one of these. This has happened so many times in this podcast. I remember I messaged you, Wayne. You said nothing to me. I wrote like 10 paragraphs. No, you did you. write back. You did write back. back. You wrote oh, back. Oh, thank you for once I wrote back. Yeah. I'm you not a terrible nobody, organizer, everyone. At this point, nobody knew who you were. Nice. So, you know. Oh, good. It was before I was, yeah. Yeah. So, before I was Facebook famous. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no yeah. one knew who you were at this yeah. point. So I messaged you um, and you wrote back, um, 
and you were like, I don't think we have the bandwidth to protest oh. this at the moment. <laughs> I I'm not going to help you. I mean, in your defense, you would have been driving four hours to protest yeah. this thing. Um, oh, you asked me to come. No, I asked you to organize it. Oh, you asked me to organize it. Okay, yeah. That, that's a that was a thing. big ass. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that I was kind of a big ass. Right, no, no, I wasn't yeah. upset with you for not, okay, for not yeah. doing it. But then I was like, I kind of was like, oh, well, I guess something's going to happen then. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so then we ended up organizing it. And... Yeah, so I was just Good standing. I was awesome. standing there um, protesting, and I was, you know, yelling to the, the megaphone. And at one point, there were hundreds of people, and um, like the line was like wrapping around the building, mm. and everybody started chanting "bacon" back at me mm. as I was speaking in the megaphone. They're, like they're, they're chanting "bacon" at a twelve-year-old. Yeah, girl? and I remember somebody Come like on, I had. Come my, on, I, Come I've on, always. People. I've always had curly hair, and at the time, my hair was like very frizzy, like, huh. like <laughs> very frizzy. I was not insecure about it or anything; like, yeah. it was fine. But I do remember one um, guy, this like college age dude, yelled while I was protesting, like, "You have ugly hair." He was oh. he was the boyfriend what? of the woman that organized really? the bacon fest. The bacon fest. Yeah. yeah, he was so people? mad at Zoe. I couldn't believe he was yelling at this little girl. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And she thought it was so I funny. I thought it was though. funny. I hate men so much. Men are so fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all, on behalf of all men. And all human beings. But, but no. Well, you're not responsible yeah. for yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, what's funny is like, it's always Your been... hair is beautiful for the record. <laughs> and it always was. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, it, it was funny because just like growing up, like I feel like I was almost unbullyable mm. like you could not bully me because i just thought it was funny is that actually true yeah i you thought it's true Sherston. i, I feel like we all put up these shields and no. suits of armor i i used to say this to myself too and no, I was no, back, looking I back there are moments where like i where i'm like looking back now i'm like oh i think that person was trying to bully me huh. but at the time i didn't even like comprehend that i just thought it was funny like i like genuinely like, looking back like everyone called me the crazy chicken lady in middle uh-huh. school and like i thought it was like awesome i called myself the crazy chicken lady i was like You're this like, is the oh, best really? i was like so this much. is That's an so honor you. and now looking back today i'm like they're probably making they're fun, fun of me, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah zoe has a different take on the world than everybody else like she i mean when i was growing up i always wanted people to like me and I don't know. She she more decided if she wanted to like other people. It oh. seemed like she came at everything from the other way around. And I it's I used to think, wow, it yeah. really is. I wish yeah. I could be more like that. Yeah. Huh. yeah. You think it's just genetic? Something in her. I think her so. Brain when she was I think born? so. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was definitely that way too. I mean, I wanted everyone to like me. The difference I is I, I yeah, I mean, I put up the armor and I used to say, I don't care what people think. And I'd go home and cry all day because yeah, people are mean to me. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I don't think Zoe has ever cried to me about that sort of thing. Like, mm. and she's been bullied a lot I believe it. on social media and, you know, at protests and, you know, when she stands up for animals, but she's never... That has never seemed to bother her as far as I've been able to tell as of yet. 
Yeah. I mean, I think like for me, like if like a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, bullied me, it would probably feel different. Sure. But if it's just like a random person, I don't care. Like, like I honestly sometimes like I think my hate comments are like the best thing in the world. Like when people start sending me hate, I'm like, I'm changing the world. She loves that. I love it to the point where I will literally sometimes tailor my content (laughs) to piss these people (laughs) off and get hate comments. No, I remember when you, back when I was more involved in DXC Communications, I think I was leading the social media team yeah, at the time, maybe. Yeah. Because I I've been involved in like every team in DXC yeah. at some point in history, um, and you had this plan to like basically <laughs> find all the Trump supporting groups in yes. the nation and just like intentionally inflame them with animal rights commentary <laughs> and just get them really angry to try and make our videos go viral and just because you get so much entertainment value about all the trolls. Yeah. So me and maybe, a, there's something is there's something a, different about you. Me and a former member of DXC, we would like. Um, pay for posts to get promoted to oh like dairy gosh. farmers because it actually was like what made our posts for a while go viral yeah, yeah. because like they would all be sharing it and like all of the comments would be like you know almost entirely negative yeah but we were like we're reaching millions of people See, that, that strikes me as being very problematic usage of the algorithm and bad in so many ways unless there were some instances where you actually struck up real dialogue so my question for you then is, with all of this kind of troll-seeking behavior, did you actually find a <laughs> troll who was friendly? Or you became friendly with? No. <laughs> there was never a troll that became the swan, you know? No. I mean, are you, are you, not, the ugly duck not from that. No? Not from that. I mean, I feel like a lot of my trolls on my personal account on Instagram, yeah. I have like... I almost feel like they're my friends. Yeah. Like they still, like they still like say horrible things to me, but I'm kind of like, oh, it's Caleb. Like, you know, like. (laughs) Caleb? Caleb is one of your trolls? Not you. (laughs) You're a deep cover, Caleb. I didn't realize you were a troll. There's there's one. There's one troll. Caleb's sitting next to me and like. There's one troll on my Instagram. Oh, he'll be really excited if he hears this to know that I've noticed him. I'll probably listen to this. I if hope he's that he does. But he, um, I think it's like a joke between him and his friends. He's like a high school student in FFA. Um, and like, I'm like, I can't joke back because that would be creepy since I'm an adult Aww. now. But um, he like has decided, like some joke between him and his friends. He's decided to pretend in all his comments that I'm his girlfriend. That? Okay. <laughs> no, it's really sorry, funny. Sorry, that's, that's pretty creepy and weird. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. No, no, no. That's creepy and weird. It's I'm hilarious. sorry. I don't agree with it. No, I know because I know he's like, High school, middle school, like yeah. just like a, like I think I've actually met him at the fair. Like he's well, just that like, makes it even more creepy. Than no, at the fair, <laughs> <laughs> like if it were just like an internet no. thing. Is actually trolling you. Now he knows you personally. No, he's. He, I think his comments are so funny. To be okay. honest, he's like. <laughs> huh. You know, one, one thing that's interesting to me about trolls is I think this is more true in real life, but I have had some experiences online with this too. Is I have had an uncanny amount of luck convincing people who are trolling protests that animal rights is legitimate. Mm. And the best example is this. Do you remember that guy at ALC? I don't even remember the dude who had like a white mask. And James Aspie, this very prominent vegan activist influencer, had his oh. cover page for a long time. Him getting in an argument with this guy. And James Aspie- At the Convergence. Yeah. It was at, I think it was at the, ALC in, or in Utah. Forum. That was, was in Utah. Because that would, um, I, mean, I know, no? I think it was in San Francisco. It was in San Francisco. Because oh, okay. there's this dude who has a social media page. 
And he has a completely white mask that you okay. can see through. And he goes and trolls protests. He's like a right winger. Okay. Yeah. I don't okay. know what his thing is because I didn't find his YouTube very interesting. Sorry, dude. But even though he, but <laughs> the reason I'm going to say sorry, and I do legitimately sorry that I didn't find it interesting because I wanted to find it interesting, was because he had been trolling us and following us around and like making asinine comments about bacon and how stupid mm-hmm. these activists were. And James Aspie and him got into a big argument. But I had a conversation with him right after the march that actually ended up being really good. Hmm. And his point was, you know, personal choice. I'm a libertarian. He was some sort of right winger who said like, oh, how dare you tell people what to do? And I said, no, you're exactly right. And tell me more about your philosophy. You you don't want people to interfere with your choices. You think it's wrong for someone with more power to try and exert their power on someone else. That makes complete sense to me. And and I I imagine, you know, if, if someone did something like that to you, you would be very unhappy. And that's exactly what's happening to animals. And he was actually kind of very sympathetic to that afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. just when I deployed his value system and tried to, to show him why animal rights was activism consistent with this. But, um, another, yeah. the other example of this online is I'll make this very brief is, um, after the, the rain rescue went viral and, um, this is not intentional trolling. Actually, now that I think about it, was this you doing this Zoe? Were you the one sending my rain video to all these ad groups? I, I do remember being at, you Home. might be the reason I'm a felon now. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't. I not thought about this until now. I, I did. Just thought it was like natural and organic virality. You know how many people? It is me? possible. People like literally called me. They doxed me. They <laughs> called me and threatened to kill me. And it's all because of no. I'm oh, just kidding. Wow. It actually it's all my fault. No, I. I thought. I don't know if I was still at that point doing this okay. it could have also been the other person on the social media this is february time. of 2018 no i if one of the two actually there are three of us i think all doing this who we would all <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> we had this fake account that was you're like, not supposed to admit having fake accounts if it gets in terms of service what are you we doing had, to yourself, Zoe? We had this fake, You're going to get canceled from facebook now we had this fake account that was <laughs> She's not deterred. It was this woman. The account was like posing as this woman who's like a 4-H mom. Like her profile picture was like the 4-H logo. Her cover photo. (laughs) Her cover photo was the American flag. (laughs) Just like your classic like Republican mom. And we would share all of these posts. Into, Obviously, bashing the animal rights. Yeah, like we like, were in like stupid. We were we were in a rabbit slaughter Facebook group, like wow. all of these like very like aggy um, Facebook groups, and we would yeah. share all of DXC's posts in there and be like, "Wow, you guys have to see this horrible page!" Wow. Like, and then like they would blow it up and yeah. So we see. Do you remember what happened in February 2018 after the rain rescue? Like, I got yeah. bombarded. Like, I think it was like thousands of messages and people calling me because all these ad groups were talking about this idiot who had gone into a farm and rescued a goat. And I don't remember sharing that one. Sick. So, but, but I'm sure the, someone the did. The reason I brought this up, oh, so it was all worth it. And, you know, the fel- felonies are what they are. And that's for another podcast. And actually, I've already done a podcast on that. And I'll do a podcast about how I might be disbarred in the next few weeks, which is kind of sad because I've been a lawyer for quite some time. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, but we'll is. fight it and we'll do our best. And I've got other things I can do with my life if I can't be a lawyer. But the reason I brought this up and the reason why it might all be worth it nonetheless is there's one woman, her name was Lena, who is actually the organizer of one of these, you know, um, renewable ag, like that's what they always say, you know, like regenerative agriculture, not renewable, regenerative agriculture groups. And she was all about small scale farming. And she 
was actually an ex-vegan. She said, I'm an ex-vegan and I care about animals and I care about the environment. And that's why I believe in regenerative agriculture now. And she had all these pictures of her dogs and cats on her Facebook page, but she also slaughtered goats. And she was like one of the ones leading the charge saying, report this guy. We need to find out what farm this mm-hmm. was and make sure he gets prosecuted. And, and she had threatened to kill me on a number of occasions. Hmm. And I think the exact terminology was somebody needs to pull a bullet, pull, bullet, between, bullet between this guy's eyes. And I like wow. responded very kindly to one of to exactly that comment. I said, you know, like I, I, I understand, I, I'm really sorry you, you, you feel this way. And, and I understand the anger, you know, I don't agree with it, but I understand where this is coming from. Um, Cause if, if I thought someone was coming to my property and taking one of my animals away, like one of my dogs, obviously I'm not killing and eating my dogs, but if someone were to take my dog away, I'd be very upset too. And, and, and that, that's kind of the feeling I'm sensing from you all. And, and she was like, oh, that was really interesting. I didn't expect that after I just threatened to murder you. Um, we ended up having a video call together. And she hmm. was such a sweetheart. Like, she was so nice. And, like, she showed me all her dogs. And she did a complete 180. And she was, like, almost near tears by the end of the conversation we had. Um, she did a complete 180. And, and then she was, like, attacking the other people in regenerative agriculture groups that were trying to attack me. She was like, no, Wayne's a good guy. I've talked to him. I like him. You need to stop this. We need uh-huh. to call it all off. But wow. then, and here's the, here's the, here's, here's the denouement, and it's kind of a bad ending, unfortunately. Like, there was another post I made talking about how, you know, regenerative agriculture is in the solution. He made me, you know, all the same talking points we always give. Sure. And she chimed in and just basically, she didn't even say something that bad. She just said, well, you know, I, I think you're a really good person, but I don't agree with this entirely for, because I think you can kill animals humanely. And unfortunately, some vegans came out and like, attacked her very viciously. Oh. And she, she turned around on me. I'm like, I didn't do that to you. I wasn't the one who attacked you. And I didn't agree with what she said, obviously. But sure. I thought she was, she was making, she was trying to engage in good faith dialogue. And right. people on the internet attacked her. Yeah. And then she took it out on me and she said, never mind. I take it all back again. Yes. And I hate you. And she didn't say she wanted to kill me anymore. But and, and I will yeah. say, she didn't, she didn't encourage it anymore. But she was no longer, for a while, she was like sharing my stuff and liking Aww. the stuff I was posting. And I thought, this is like a miracle. This is such an amazing story. Yeah. Um, and I have dreams of like, I mean, Rick knows I have dreams of this. I have dreams of, well, actually, I don't want the story to end this way because I don't want Rick Pittman to turn. Rick Pittman is a, is a factory farmer. Actually, many of the turkeys at this sanctuary came from Rick Pittman's farm because he's one of the largest poultry farmers in the world. And we did an investigation and opened rescue to his farm. And after the rescue, he's one of the few farm owners who actually said, you know what? These folks have a point. There were problems at this farm. This video footage is real. Let's try and be transparent about what happened. And, and partly as just a gesture of good faith, he's been releasing turkeys to animal rights mm-hmm. activists over the last four years. Um, and, and Rick knows this is my vision. My vision for him is for him to change the same way Lena did. And, and like 20 years from now, 10 years, or maybe even two years from now, just say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of the business of killing. I want to be part of the business of living. You know, I want to feed people, not kill anyone. And, and turn all of his factories into plant-based protein factories. But obviously not with the ending where someone attacks him and he turns around and hits yeah. him. Let's not do that yeah. replication. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that, he's he's a really a guy. nice guy. He was out, yeah. he came he here came to, to Happy Sanctuary. Hen. Yeah, I yeah. want to ask you about that experience. But we haven't even <laughs> talked about the start of Happy Hen. But actually, yeah. we did, it sounded like you might have had something you wanted to say about this. Was there something? Um, I don't know. Okay. Probably, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I went on and on. No, so no, it's it's okay. fine. I mean, I could talk about haters for yeah. forever, but okay. So, um, you you talked about kind of some of your haters in school, and you talked about these people. Apparently, some guy named Caleb who pretends you're his girlfriend. That's not Caleb. Caleb. Oh, I'm sorry. Is someone else? You're off the hook. Caleb. Caleb would never do that to you. 
By the way, it's probably C A L E B, right? Caleb? You're yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So this Caleb is K L A L Y B, so we're good. Caleb, yeah. The there's, there's someone who, who trolls me on Facebook whose name is Caleb Shoemaker. Yeah. Um, oh, Caleb is our audio person today for wondering why the hell there's a Caleb here who's <laughs> just sitting around <laughs> and just like, laughing at yeah. us and watching this strange interaction. But. Yeah, but oh, I was going to say, like, I have had some of my trolls on Instagram kind of like come around, and honestly, like, I have one who, one um, FFA guy who, um, what's FFA? FFA is, uh, it stands for Future Farmers of America, and okay. it's a class in a lot of public high schools in the United States. Um, and in one of the, there's a lot of great things about this class, but unfortunately, one part of it is that um, kids can take part in the animal agriculture portion of the class and um, raise an animal for slaughter mm -hmm. um, and auction them off um, at the county fair over the summer. Um, and they raise this animal from basically yes, a baby. Yes, you know, they, correct. They, they nurse feed. Do they actually nurse the animal? Do they bottle feed uh, the animal? They're I, usually weaned. They're weaned. Yeah, okay. I think so they, they, they get them, them right. They get them like, that would right. be particularly creepy if you're bottle feeding <laughs> an animal and then you slaughter them. But I mean, people do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think they get them like right after they're weaned and then they raise them um, until they reach slaughter weight. Um, but yeah, I, I have had like, you know, people who've, who've come to my page to kind of... Um, troll um and and send hate comments um most of my haters are ffa and 4-h people 4-h is a similar program um and yeah so um but i've had some of them kind of start to have a change of heart the longer they follow me and see my posts um and that's been really great to see like one one person kind of came to my page being very, very hateful. Okay, sorry everybody, we had a very unfortunate <laughs> incident that I'd love to blame on the dog, but it was really my fault. I tried to pick up a 90 pound dog and he was very insistent on remaining on the table. He kicked the mics everywhere. We use it to have a nice little bathroom break. But back to the show and, and Zoe, I mean, I actually I think where I was trying to get, because we actually haven't even talked about the beginning of Happy Hand. We talked so much about all sorts of ridiculous things. But um, unless there was something else you wanted to complete, can you just tell us a story about how this place started and what this place is? Yeah, so um, Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary is a 40-acre farmed animal sanctuary in San Luis Obispo, California, which is in between Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, and we are home to um, cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, lots of different farmed animals, and we've saved over a thousand animals since we started um, several years ago. And how Isn't we got- 2,000? No, not, not 2,000 yet, but over a thousand. Okay. Around 1,300, I would say. 1,300? I actually have the exact number. We've saved 1,117 animals. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so I, I if you follow Happy Hen on Instagram, I update the bio and change the number every time we rescue another animal so you can see that number go up, hopefully. What was the situation when you started this? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not... It's actually good that you laid out what this is because it right, just yeah. gives you the scale. It's, this is a big operation with a lot of animals and you are just a family. <laughs> You're just like four people. And it's mostly, I think, the two of you. I mean, not that Lewis and Ben don't help out. I've seen them help out. They're amazing. But I think this is the, the labor of love for the two of you, right? So yeah, why did why'd you so decide nice. to do this? It seems like an absurd thing to do. Yeah. So like I, I, I mentioned earlier on, you know, I, I've always loved animals. And it's always been something I really cared about. And then um, when 
I was nine, no, 10, 10 years old. Uh, my family got chickens. It was actually while I was at the private Christian school. Huh. <laughs> uh, we got chickens. So we, we actually purchased um, seven chicks from uh, a feed store, which um, we now know is a horrible thing to do. Definitely do not buy chicks from a feed store or order them from a hatchery. It's a very horrible industry. Um, and these chicks get, you know, shipped in the mail and they, they kill the roosters and it's, it's really awful. So definitely don't, don't do that. Don't do what we did. But, um, that is how we originally got chickens. Um, and I had, I never closely interacted with chickens, um, or really farm animals in general. We had, we had goats, um, can, can I actually interrupt goats. just really quickly? Why did you get chickens? <laughs> I had been begging for chickens. Okay, so this is something you wanted. Yeah, because it's not very common. It's my not friend, like my friend. My friend had chickens, huh. and uh, her family had chickens. And I. Why did your friend have chickens? They had them for the eggs. Oh, um, so uh, that's right. This is farm country, so yes, people have yeah. chickens just as <laughs> right. not as companions, but as right. food animals. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. So it was really when we moved in to this place well it was right before we moved here that we got the chickens mm -hmm. um right but we knew we we knew we were gonna have this property at that point um which is a beautiful place it's just such an idyllic location (laughs) just yeah anyways yeah but um yeah so i'd been begging for chickens and uh every spring at the local feed stores they um sell chicks so Hmm. um you know obviously how did you know this because my friend would buy more chicks every year. Oh, so your friend was telling you there are these chickens you can yeah, get from the feed Because it's not like, I can't imagine chicken. you were going to the feed store. It's not like you're running a farm. Right. Yeah. So, right so. so I was um, seeing her chicks at her okay. house. And they were, ob- I mean, obviously everyone sees baby chicks and thinks they're so cute and awesome. They are cute, actually. Because they are. <laughs> That's just true. <laughs> they're very cute. So I, you know, I was 10 years old. And I was like, I want some baby chicks too. Aww. Let's get some chickens. So like my brother, I actually got my brother on board with it too. And we were like trying to like you know search for money under like the couch cushions to like earn enough money to buy a chicken coop and stuff um so that was like happening for a while and then um, what was it about the chickens that made you want them like was there something about them i don't think so i think i just you were just like, a kid who wanted a new animal yeah pretty okay. much pretty much mm-hmm. um and yeah so one day my brother and i convinced my mom uh after school one day like all right since you're all into chickens, we can go to the feed store and we can look at the cute baby chicks. That was how it started. Hmm. And then we went and they had six black Osterlorp chicks left. Hmm. Um, and we uh, we bought two of them. Wow. <laughs> we, we went to just look and we ended up buying two baby chicks. Um, Olive and Herky. Um, and then we went back... Um, the next week when they got a new shipment in and we bought five more. Um, so we had seven chicks total. Um, and I just completely fell in love with them. And I realized how special chickens were and that they were mm-hmm. just like dogs and cats that I love so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, at, at this point I had been like volunteering at local dog and cat rescue. And obviously we had dogs and cats. So like dogs and cats and like helping dogs and cats was something I really cared about. And this is the first time I really, 
you know, started to deeply care about chickens. Mm-hmm. What kind of chickens were these? Um, they were like backyard breeds. So we had uh, black Australorps. That's what you already said. Uh, that. Buff yeah. Warpingtons, Rhode Island Reds, okay. um, and Easter Eggers. Okay. Um, so the only one that would have looked like a commercial breed to some extent would have been the Rhode Island Red, probably. Yeah, we yeah. had uh, one Rhode Island Red. Her name was Red. Very Red. creative. <laughs> but she was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I remember she. When they got older, she was the first one to lay an egg. Hmm. And I remember, like, there was, we went out to the barn. And, like, we didn't know what to do. We were like, huh. do we take the egg away from her? Yeah. Do we eat it? Like, what do we eat do? Eat it? Sacrilege. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Well, you, you were vegan at this time, right? I was not. Oh, you weren't? I was not. I was, what were you? You were, you were still vegetarian? I was still vegetarian, yeah. Okay. Wow, I didn't realize this. So you started getting chickens before you were vegan. Correct, yeah. Okay. So, um, Lewis and I were vegan, but uh-huh. but the, the kids, kids weren't because you raised them with right. the intent yeah. to let them kind of choose for themselves. Yeah. Right. So, so we had the chickens. There was one chicken at, at the time. Her name was actually Edna, oh, and then Edna, Edna turned out to be a rooster. Um, <laughs> so his his name became Eddie, um, and he was like. When he was a baby, he was... Hey, how do you know he believes in gendered names, huh? I, you know... <laughs> <laughs> but he was the sweetest little guy as a baby. He actually turned out to be an aggressive rooster, but I huh. loved him just as much, much. anyways. Um, but he, yeah, he was just so sweet and... Um, so what like are the, the behaviors that chickens have most. that you think people don't understand that led you to form this attachment with them? Like, what is it the most... Because most people, yeah. I think, who are listening to this podcast, because... You know, I think there are animal rights activists and vegans listen to this podcast, but there are a lot of people who are not and, yeah. you know, I've never met a chicken before. So what was it about yeah. these chickens that led you to love them, given that so many people think, you know, chickens are stupid, you can cut their heads off and they'll run around, you know, which yeah. I think is true, but I think it's also true of human beings. So it's like, that's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a good reason to cut someone's head off just because they'll run around because, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I bonded with all of the chickens, but I especially bonded with Eddie because, um, especially as a baby, he would like look up at you mm. and you could tell like, he like was really looking at you and like listening to you and, yeah, um, I'm curious. curious. Yeah. Um, and like that, you know, it was just so cute and, um, you know, you could, you could just tell that, you know, he wasn't just some stupid chicken, you know, sure. he was, he was looking at you and thinking about you and, um, considering his surroundings and, um, but all of them, like, you know, as they grew, you know, they, they had unique personalities, you know, some of them were more shy than the other ones. Some of them were more friendly. Um, some of them were sassy. Um, they had, you know, unique social dynamics with each other. You know, they were establishing a pecking order and, Mm um, you know, they, they were just clearly, you know, just like the dogs and cats I had, they were just sure different, but yeah. like in the ways that mattered, they were the same. Yeah. Um, and this is not just you saying this, there's a lot of science behind this for sure, too. And yeah. the, the best thing I've read recently, it's not even that recent scientific American. Did you see that amazing article in scientific American about chicken intelligence? Like maybe five years ago, actually it's probably, yes, I did. it was yeah, a great article. Great. And the, the, the best example of that is they, there's apparently a study. I mean, a lot of these studies are a little fucked up, but you know, I'll talk about it anyways because it does show something about chickens that's really insightful. Is a study of what's called theory of mind, which is just an animal's ability to recognize there are other minds out there, yeah. and there's other beings with feelings, and I can be aware of that and respond to that. And they did this with mothers and their chicks, but basically what they did it's a it's a fairly minor but still unethical experiment where they separated the chicks from their moms, so the mom's just able to observe the chicks but mm-hmm. is not physically in their presence, and they'd shoot these puffs of air at the little chicks to scare them. And the chicks would, you know, anyone who's seen like a little baby chick, it's so cute. They 
they, you know, they squirm around, they run around like they're, you know, someone's trying to kill them and they go beep, 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 beep really fast. And um, they measured, I, I think that like the cortisone levels mm-hmm. or something, I, maybe it was the dilation of the people, but basically the mother hens were responding the same way as then they were squirted with a puff of air. Like when they were squirted with a puff of air, they get kind of scared and they weren't sure what it was and their pupils would dilate and they have a cortisone release in their bloodstream. And just observing their chicks do this created the same response in them, which meant that they were like literally feeling what their babies were feeling. You know, yeah. that's like such a powerful, and you, we say these animals are so dumb. And I feel like a lot of humans lack that capacity. Like we yeah. are not able to do that. A lot of human sure. mothers see their children suffering and think, eh, you know, like it's, it's a syndrome, but it's, it, it does happen. And we don't say, you know, fuck humans. They're stupid. We, but we don't appreciate that in other animals, especially animals like chickens that yeah. some people kill and eat. They're beautiful animals. Yeah. And we beautiful. watch chickens, you know, raise their chicks and they definitely are, yeah. oh, care so much they about, do. about their chicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just being able to observe them and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. It, it was just clear to me, like, you know. And these babies were like tiny little babies yeah, when you got yeah, them. They so how many days old were they? Were they just um, a few days? They or? were a few days old, yeah. And one of oh, them gosh. actually, about a week after we got them, um, her name was Popcorn. Mm-hmm. And she started to, to get ill. Oh, um, and, you know, we took her to the vet and they had her um, in... And you know, hospitalized there um, mm-hmm. for several hours, and um, she uh, came home, and then she passed away. And mm. um, yeah, we were so devastated. And um, I had been um, doing research when she was sick, and um, from that, I kind of got involved in uh, a backyard chickens forum online hmm. and that became my life to this day. I'm one of the top users on this chicken forum. I haven't used it in a long time, but I'm like huh. a top user. I've posted something like 19,000 times on this chicken forum. I was like writing like blog posts about how to take care of chickens, how to, um, you know, work with aggressive roosters. I'm like this like 10 year old kid just like on this backyard chicken (laughs) site, like teaching these adults. Probably half the stuff I wrote isn't even true. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, where are you getting this information then? To this day. That's not even true. To this day, I get notifications from that account of grown adults messaging me like, I read your chick, your rooster, aggressive rooster article. Can you please give me some advice about my aggressive rooster? Wait, what were some of your tips that were not true? Were they like ridiculous or did they sound yeah, reasonable? I mean, they were like, hold your rooster for an hour a day. Um, I don't know. That doesn't work? I mean, I think it could help. <laughs> I don't know. It could, but you don't know. You, don't just, know. you just made it up. I don't know. Wait, did you just straight up make this stuff up or was no, there some basis for it? I didn't make it up. There was some okay. basis for it. See, it was based on anecdotal experience. You just don't know it was if it's like a scientific... On, yeah, it was either based okay. off experience or things sure. I've heard other people say. But like... What was, was this form called? Backyardchickens.com. Okay. It's I think a forum. No, I think I've seen that form. Because uh, I think when you Google certain chicken care stuff, sometimes that form comes up. You've probably seen my posts. I, I might have. Because I've Googled, <laughs> I think I've seen it. when I've Because I've Googled a lot of chicken care issues. I've, yeah. I haven't rescued nearly as many as you have, but I've rescued quite yeah. a few chickens I, in my I life I eventually too. got ostracized from that group for talking about <laughs> factory rights. farming. Because yeah. um, a lot of them are like livestock producers. Yeah, though. they are. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but... So yeah, I'm just chickens. I just became obsessed with chickens hmm. um, to the point where I literally, I 
took it upon myself. I wanted to memorize every single chicken breed, and wow. I made myself flashcards with pictures. And, wow! Um, so that's a lot of breeds. There too. was there was actually there's probably like what at least hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah. There's hundreds of chicken breeds, and uh, this is just the ones in the United States that are used yeah, for various yeah. purposes. And so it's probably more worldwide. Yeah. So um, that. I, there was definitely some basis for the kids at school calling me the crazy chicken, chicken lady. lady. Yeah. I will not argue with that. Huh. Um, <laughs> but so did these chicks, did they bond to you then? It, had they seen their mothers yet? They, they didn't like have like a maternal bond to anybody or anything. Okay. Like they, they didn't, I wouldn't say like they imprinted on anybody, but huh. um, yeah. I mean, had they seen their mothers already? Is that why? No, no. They were born on hatcheries. So they, okay. the way hatcheries That's work right. Is, they, of course. Yeah, they, I, they why, why am I asking this? I know <laughs> the answer to these questions. <laughs> For folks, yeah. folks listening, the way yeah. that it, it hatcheries work. For is, folks listening, Wayne's an idiot. <laughs> Let's move on. Also yeah, that. Um, also that. We all we all knew that already. So we. Can hey hey on. hey! <laughs> this is what people are looking for, go. I guess. When we started the podcast, Wayne we knew it was is coming. Ugly. Thank Wayne you. Is a hater. Oh my god! He's <laughs> always bullying me. Uh, I used to joke about being bullied by a twelve-year-old child, and I can't do that anymore because now you're a nineteen-year-old teenager, so it's less funny. Uh, now it's just mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the way that the hatcheries work is, um, they have these giant incubators, yeah. um, basically in a factory. Um, and then after I can't believe I asked you this question. Well, you were probably thinking because of the sanctuary that maybe the mom was here. I know. But she told me they're from a food stand. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Where am I thinking? For the record, I, Wayne, def- I know that Wayne definitely knows how hatcheries work. I know how chicken production works. I promise you. I'm not, I'm not faking my knowledge of factory farms and animal production. But um, yeah, so they they are in these incubators for 21 days, and then they hatch, and they're basically almost immediately yep, yeah. put onto these conveyor belts, and the males from the fem- are sorted from the females. Uh, the males are killed, but it's obviously we ended up with a rooster, Eddie. Uh, I would say about five percent of the um, roosters don't end up mm-hmm. getting sex correctly, mm. which also, of course, means I'm sure that. Uh, about that same percentage of the hens get falsely killed as roosters too, yeah. I would imagine. Because um, so, it's hard to sex yeah. birds. It's so yeah. hard. I don't. I still don't quite... I mean, I feel like I've they read about the how they do it. The wings? So okay. the wings, the um, females have longer wings at mm. birth than the males. So, yeah. Um, and then if they're um, sex links, I mm-hmm. think there's a, a more accurate actual... Actually, way for a sex link breed. Okay. But, yeah. So... Um, yeah, but they didn't imprint on anybody or anything like that. Um, I've only had one baby chick that we've rescued actually do that, um, mm-hmm. Glenn. Oh, wait, are Glenn? Mm-hmm, yeah, like the am- one that's sitting yeah, right here? Yeah. Or no, he they're in the ICU. On me. Yeah, he's okay. in the ICU. He, right. he imprinted on you. That's so yeah. cute. <laughs> yeah, when he was. Well, I've not seen video. He of was this. so upset if she would just like go in the bathroom, he oh. would follow. Even if somebody and, else was with him, like, really? it had to be me who was with him, and he was like, he slept in my bed. Yeah. For the first several weeks. Now he's you know obviously older and he doesn't yeah. need. Yeah, I mean mom, anybody but... who, who kills chickens or eats chickens should just know this about there's there's a baby chick. Yeah. In Zoe's life, who was so sad when he was separated that he'd cry every time yeah. there was even a separation. Probably just even if you're on the other side of a door, because that's yeah. how intense yeah, the bond is. I mean, the mothers and the babies the, are so yeah. connected. He went to the bathroom with me. Like he literally oh. could not be away from me at all. Like if I was driving, if I had to go to the bottom of the driveway to get the mail, like he yeah. would sit next to me in the car. Like, and he wasn't even that. I mean, he wasn't that young when you. Well, I guess he was. Like he was two, big. Yeah, he was, it was like two three, weeks. He was like three weeks old yeah. when he came to me. Okay. Yeah, and but, which means, unfortunately, he was very large because in commercial... He wasn't that big, but 
yeah, he would have been killed three yeah. weeks later. I mean, he was probably what two pounds, three pounds. Uh, maybe like two pounds. Two pounds. Okay. Yeah, three weeks. Because they yeah. killed him at six, seven weeks. I mean, it's it's terrible. But. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. So um, I got yeah, but I got involved in this online chicken world, and um, that kind of led me to finding NSW Hen Rescue. Yeah. Um, which is an amazing awesome organization. group. Yeah, the amazing and, group. Uh, they actually do. They've been doing open rescues since before mm-hmm. DXC existed. Yeah. Um, Australia is really ahead of everyone. They've got Patty Mark and yeah. a lot of great open rescue work has been happening for a long time in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I actually, uh, I, I saw a video on their website of them going into a factory egg farm and taking these hens out of battery cages. And that was the first time I'd seen someone rescue, um, you know, chickens. Um, and like the first time I'd really been introduced to the concept of rescuing chickens, mm-hmm. period. Um, and it was also the first time I'd seen a video inside of a factory egg farm. And um, this is before you had started Happy Hen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you have these chickens at home yeah. mm-hmm. that you had purchased. And right. then you see these people rescuing chickens. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, like, I was just like, that completely shook my world seeing like thousands of chickens in these cages and like. I just, you know, I, I felt like I had to do something. something. Yeah. Um, so I emailed them and I was like, hey, how do you start a chicken rescue? Hmm. Um, and they didn't know I was 11 years old at the time. Like, mm-hmm. um, but Catherine, who runs NSW Chick- uh, Hen Rescue, she emailed me back and gave me all this advice. And she was like, she was like, we just walk in and we take them. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like talking to my mom and I was like, she called me. They, and she was like, How does she, that work? And I was like, she just told me that they just walk in and they take them, but I must not and be. Your mom was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, I, was, I remember Who saying. Who are you talking to online? I, I didn't know how this was I happening. I remember saying like, I must be misunderstanding. Yeah. Like there must be like a miscommunication over email. Like <laughs> this, like there's no way that that's like, yeah. she's, I, we're, we're just confused here. Um, no, but it's true. Yeah. But just she's kind of, literally just walking just walk in, in and, and taking them. them. Yeah. Um, I mean, so for folks who don't have the, the, the concept of the scale of these industries, I mean, a lot of these industries have 5 million, 6 million. I mean, some, I think the biggest single egg farm maybe has 12 million birds on site mm-hmm. at one location. So that's more people in the entire Bay Area. Yeah. Like San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, all combined do not have 12 million people. That's more than LA. I think probably New York is the only metropolitan area. So imagine yeah. every single human being in the entire New York City metropolitan area on one farm. I mean, obviously chickens are much smaller than human sure. beings, but still that's in terms of the amount of consciousness that's there. Sure. And the the number that are just thrown away because the, the industry is treating them all like commodities, the number that are just ground up in the gears of the system, sometimes literally ground up in the gears of the system because caught in the machinery is one of yeah. the common ways that animals die in factory farms. And you know, there have been studies of this. There was a, a big... RCT by the Coalition for a Sustainable Egg Supply, I think it was seven or so years ago, where they did like a randomized trial where they assigned chickens to different systems and they found on all the systems. And interestingly, I think the cage-free systems were one of the worst for hens that were caught in the machinery because when they're in battery cages, they can't really get caught up in the conveyor belts because they're in cages. Well, in the in the in a cage-free facility, they have these conveyor belts that take all the manure away, and there's gears and all sorts of mechanisms. I'm not a engineer so i don't know exactly what they're doing but i know i, I believe it's like even in the sustainable egg supply study there were like thousands of hens that were caught up in the machinery just in that one study and i might not be right about that i have to go back look at the the number of chickens but certainly in the average factory farm there are probably thousands that are literally ground up in the machine and that's not even one of the most common forms of death like the most common form of death at least in a cage tree facility is usually cannibalism 
cannibalism. It's like shocking, but because the ends are so crowded in these huge cage food farms, they're literally tearing each other to pieces. So anyways, that was my interjection, but continue your yeah. story. So yeah. you're seeing this for the first time yeah. and thinking like, yeah. holy shit, what the hell is this? And, yeah. and you're trying to figure out, can you just... But I, I, the reason I made that point is when you have a system that large sure. where so many hens are just being ground up, it is the case that no one really even cares. If you didn't actually publish what you did, and I actually know lots of activists who do this, if you just go into an egg farm and take chickens out, like even the workers are like, why are you doing that? Whatever. Yeah. So it's like, that's like one out of five million and that's a sick chicken, so who cares? Yeah. No, for sure. I, I think totally they they don't care. But um, at the time, it, it seemed like, yeah, you know, preposterous to just, to just walk into well, it. It kind of is preposterous. Right? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's definitely not something the average person is is gonna do. Um, not but, yet. Not yet. Not someday. yet. Give us some time, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but I I remember um, we were driving home from school one day, and um, I said to my mom, "Can we start a chicken rescue?" Huh. And I expected her to say no. Huh. So I was like, just I, I was sitting there prepared for a no, uh-huh. and like prepared to argue. Why? Why did you think she was going to say no? Because your mom's because obviously an animal rights person. I don't know. Because whose mom says yes to starting a chicken <laughs> rescue? But whose mom says they're going to hate their children because they might eat animals? You know, I mean, if there's a mom that's going to say yes, it's probably you. But maybe know. even like, that's not. I don't know. My mom, like she is. She, my mom is kind of. She's always been someone who's kind of hesitant to start large projects. Sure. She, that Which is a true. reasonable, a reasonable yeah. disposition to have because it like, keeps you out of trouble. Well, it's like to the point where like if sure. I want to like where like she didn't even want to like do like a lemonade stand. Huh. Yeah. Zoe has <laughs> been the pushing force behind everything. I yeah. mean, Zoe. Yeah. Yeah. Zoe makes but things happen. Yeah. She didn't say no. Hmm. She said maybe. Wow. And I was so excited. Which to you was yes. I was like, maybe. Yes. Yes. So huh. I was so excited and um, I built a website. Hmm. Uh, I called it Happy Hen Chicken Rescue. It's now Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary because we don't just rescue chickens anymore. But mm-hmm. uh, when we first started, we were just a chicken rescue. So do you, did you, I mean, did you know much about Factory Farm when you started? When you, you knew about chicken farming at least because you yeah, had seen I knew about footage from an egg farming, farm. Um, but you didn't know about gestation crates and yeah, not much. You know, I knew like a little bit at that calf point. hutches and all that stuff. No? Yeah, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know that much. Or any, Before we all. continue the story, can I just ask for your perspective on all this, Shirsten? So, I mean, I'm actually a little surprised you bought those chicks because you sounded yeah, fairly no, knowledgeable. I am. You know, you're, I am you're too. A vegan. Okay. Yeah, so tell no, me more I about shouldn't. This how this happened from your perspective, right? I, I mean, I think, I think I knew it wasn't right, right okay. to buy animals, but I also just explain why it's not right. I don't think we actually explain. Yeah. So, so there are so many animals that need homes of every yeah. species, dogs, cats, homeless mm-hmm. animals or animals that are being tortured or abused. And so it's never good to purchase animals from a store because, yeah. Um, whatever the animal is that, that you want to share your life with, um, you, you really want to rescue an animal that Mm -hmm. needs a home and not contribute to the, 
the demand for breeding more animals. Sure. Um, and and contribute to that excess population of unwanted animals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Can, can I yeah. add another so, piece of that? Just, again, I'm not... Per- oh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Just one other piece of that is, in the context of chickens, it's especially bad because breeding dogs, you know, that's an awful and horrible process, but most of the dogs that are being sold, at least, they're going to end up in families. And, you know, but with chickens, it's not like the money you send back into the system is going to be used for someone else who's going to buy a chicken and li- give them a good long life. It's going to be used to fund a system that just tortures and slaughters more and more sentient beings. So I think it's particularly awful in the context of farm animals. Not that you should buy dogs or cats either. Because puppy mills are real things. They're awful. They're disgusting. Yeah. They've been banned in many states. But in many ways, buying farm animals is worse, in my view. Mm-hmm. That's my view. And I, I know, you know, Farm Sanctuary has taken this position, too. One of the most prominent farm sanctuaries that has had, like, all these big celebrities like John Stewart supporting them. Mm-hmm. They never buy any animals for the same reason. Right. And happy, I mean, again, this was before we had happy Sure, you didn't even have it a was, We were not a sanctuary. We were just a family yep. okay. at that point. But even so, I I did know that it wasn't a good thing to be buying animals. Hmm. But the reason we did it, I guess, is I didn't. For one, I didn't know where else to get chickens. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I'm definitely not a perfect person, and I had Zoe, who <laughs> is very persuasive. Sure. Um, that was very persistent. My ten-year-old adorable daughter begging me to sure. get chicks. That's and, hard to turn them down. You know, yeah. I I relented. So did you have an I don't affinity have any for defense. chickens at this point? You were a bunny person. I really did not. You didn't know. I really did not wow. know much at all about chickens at that point. Okay. Did you have an affinity for them? Did you like them? Did you think? Not. No, I mean, I've o- I've always. Loved all animals, animals? Okay. but no, I did not have a particular affinity for chickens. Okay. So why'd you say maybe then when she said, let's start a chicken rescue? Because I had always wanted to have an animal rescue, rescue. Okay. Um, especially a farmed animal rescue. Really? But not necessarily chickens. I mean, I think I assumed I would have, ha- have chickens? chickens too, Okay. but huh. I didn't really know that much i mean obviously in veterinary school we mm. learned about chickens you know a little bit they don't spend a lot of time on chickens no. in veterinary school unfortunately but so yeah that was really my introduction to chickens interesting okay but i think i mean obviously knowing what i know now now i would know of all sorts of places to adopt sure. chickens from yeah. <laughs> now that we've you know rescued so many chickens from yeah. terrible places, but at that time, I didn't know where to go. Yeah, which it makes sense because it is kind of a, an odd thing. And I mean, there will be an occasional chicken at the local animal shelter, but it's pretty uncommon, um, depending on the, the location. It's roosters, it's very common. Yeah, roosters is probably more common. But I mean, in urban areas, for example, I think in a place like San Luis Obispo, it's probably more common than, especially... 15, 10 years ago when you started Happy Hen, I, I don't think it played. Well, I mean, I guess you were in San Luis Obispo, so maybe you would have seen some. But I think in Oakland, Chicago, like I've volunteered at the pound. There are a lot of roosters at, in Oakland and okay. San Francisco at the shelter. Well, I volunteered at the pound in Chicago. This is a long earlier. This is like in the early to mid 2000s for many, many years. I don't think I ever saw a chicken. I saw a lot of weird animals there. I don't think I ever saw a chicken. Hmm. So, 
I don't, maybe they didn't even I take mean, them. They, they might have just euthanized them the moment yeah, they showed up. That's true. But There's I never saw a chicken in a cage anywhere. Probably before like the rise of the backyard chicken fad. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is yeah. like 2003, 2004, 2005. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, they might have chickens now. They might. Yeah, because so many people have backyard flocks. Yeah. Okay. So what was your response to just seeing your daughter? get obsessed with chickens did you encourage it did you think this is weird did you think <laughs> no i was so proud of her really that's so beautiful good for you yeah and and what happened is she actually i don't know how she did it but she built an entire website yeah. for happy hen, <laughs> happy hen chicken rescue yeah before i even agreed to have a chicken rescue so how did you build it <laughs> Did you use like Squarespace? Or? I use Wix. Um, Wix, I remember Wix. Yes. That was. Are they still around? I yeah. think they died. Yeah, they still. <laughs> no around. one uses them though. No, we still. Sorry, Wix. I mean, we still use Wix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're we the only group Wix. in the world that still uses <laughs> Wix. Unfortunately. Are we? They're- their platform is not great. It's terrible. Uh, it's very <laughs> it's slow, terrible. very yeah. clunky, um, but we still use it. <laughs> That's I like sad. it. All right, well, never mind. <laughs> I think it back. You like it. You've never even edited a website in your life. <laughs> no, I haven't. I know um, nothing. Yeah, but... I hope Wix doesn't sue me. <laughs> I just like said a lot of shitty stuff about Wix. <laughs> Wix started Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary. There you go. Okay, so. that's that's yeah. great. I take it all back. Can't, can't sue us, Wix. Even if your user interface sucks, you help Happy <laughs> Hen, so I love you. Yeah. Okay, so you just got on Wix, which is kind yeah. of a Wix is a kind of a what you see, what you get, WYSIWYG website generator. You don't need a huge amount. Of, I don't think you need any no. programming skill, right? No, you can just, no. It's you need like some design skill, but you need you don't need programming. It's definitely so. like a basic thing. Like okay. it wasn't like a complex. I think like people are like, "Whoa, you built a website at yeah. t- eleven years, years old. old," and I'm like, "Yeah, I like, just drag stuff around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a website that you know yeah. allows you to do it really easily." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like a complicated, complicated thing. Happy Hen is still on Wix. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up again. I'm just kind of surprised by that. <laughs> I mean, it looks better now than it used to, but. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, no. I, actually, I think, I think I, it's a lot better. I, I so everyone should just Google the Happy Hen website. Google Happy Hen Animal Sanctuary yeah, right now. And you can assess for yourself how cool Wix is. And I actually, write me an email and tell me if I'm right about Wix. I actually think that Wix worked better when I was 10 and it does now. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. All right, so you make this website and then and then you start the 51C3? Is that yeah, is that well, how it works? What happened was um, I built the website and then um, we at the time had... Um, we actually... Uh, another bad thing we did. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> No, I'm thinking, oh, no, too. I don't know what she's going to say. What did I do? The bad thing we did was we, it was cute, but it wasn't good. It was not responsible. Um, We had a hen named Olive, who was one of the the chicks we had bought. And um, she, which was, it was really funny. She decided she had to lay all of her eggs in the house. Huh. um, On the couch. Well, she like, she had like different spots. So this couch right behind us? No. At this point... Several different couches. The couch in yeah, the living was, room uh-huh. and then the, the couch in the back room. Right. Okay. Yeah. But she Which are just normal couches. Just yeah. Yeah. She, she just sits down counters too, like stuff like just like So did you let the chickens run around your house from day one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's very progressive of you. <laughs> I feel like most people have chickens, especially the first time you have chickens. I mean, when we got a dog, we didn't even let them in the house. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean it was like not good, but we didn't. Yeah. But um, all of um she ended up being broody, which is the term for a hen who wants mm-hmm. to hatch her eggs. 
Um, and so she um, got broody on a couch and she sat on the couch. We let her sit on the couch for 21 days and hatch her chicks. This was, this was also she before was so happy. She wanted to have babies so really? badly. Yeah. And so, I, I how mean, do you know that? I mean, someone's listening to this and probably thinking, oh, you're projecting on Well, her. she worked this is so some sort of hard to lay those eggs. It was so important to her, to her. Yeah. To, you know, to come yeah. in the house, to come to the same place every day. And this is on a couch? And, yeah. Like literally she's raising chicks on your couch. Like yeah. kind of in a crevice, yeah. like where the two cushions So one of the together. most amazing things about this place, um, you can't see the house we're in. This is a beautiful house. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful it house. It used to be. It's still beautiful. I st- <laughs> it's even more beautiful, even all the chicken shit everywhere. And, and you know, Shurston was a veterinarian, a professional for many years. Lewis is a tech guy who's sold off a bunch of companies. And they built this beautiful house. I mean, it's just majestic on top of a hill. And it's so nice. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, these are like these rich millionaires. They have this mansion in the, in the hills. I mean, it might not be millionaires, but it's a, it seems like that, especially coming from the Bay Area where everything's so small, you know, because everything's so expensive. And you come in and there are animals everywhere. <laughs> There's chickens and roosters and ducks and cats and mice just running around everywhere. And like, and it's all just a free-for-all, which is like Will Kimlicka's paradise. Will Kimlicka is a political philosopher, I think at McGill. I forget which university, but he's most known for his work in multiculturalism, how you get different cultures to work together instead of clashing. But he's also written a book called Zoopolis about how different species should work together. And it's, hmm. it's, it's basically a vision for the future, a future where we respect animal rights. And one of the things Kim Lika really believes in is, is trans-species relationships and ecosystems, that we have to find ways for all of us to work together. And so he would love a place like this. I think I've told you about him before, and I've thought for years, I've actually never talked to Will Kim Lika. He's a friend of a friend, so I probably should reach out to him. And actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I should have him on the podcast at some point. And I should, I should correct myself. Will Kim Lika is, the, is, is a political philosopher. His, his partner, Sue Donaldson, also co-authored the book, Zoopolis, which is an amazing book that I'd suggest you all read. But the thing that's cool about this house is that you walk in and there are just animals of all types everywhere. It's like this multi-species community center for me every time I come <laughs> here. And it's very unusual because even at animal sanctuaries, usually there's like segregation between the places the humans go and the places the animals go. And here, they're all the same. Like we, Eddie, I remember back in the day when like Eddie, the, the land... Um, Gus, I'm sorry. Gus, the, the lamb, would run around the house and he just would not. I still remember this one time yeah, when I was trying to climbing sleep. climbing in my lap. Yeah, and we were like hanging out and Eddie kept just like ramming you and touching you and he would not leave you alone. We're trying to have a conversation on a couch and there's like a lamb crawling you. And I, I, I shouldn't even say lamb. By that point, he was a sheep. I mean, this yeah, is a, yeah. a ram. Getting you know? pretty big at that He was point. like a probably, I mean, 200 pound, you know, sheep yeah, maybe? 150. 150 maybe. pound sheep yeah. who's crawling to your lap while we're trying to have a conversation. And it's a beautiful thing. Actually, can I, on that subject, why did you allow the chickens to run everywhere? I mean, why did you not? Because they wanted to come in. What was it about you all that, I mean, did, was Lewis down for this? Was Ben down for this? Were they all like, yeah, ben let's just, let's just let the chickens run around everyone and shit all over our house, you know? So Lewis was more okay with it than Ben. Really? Lewis, Lewis actually thought it was pretty cool. I mean, really? I cleaned up the, all the poop. Okay. Yeah, you I'm do do only, an amazing job of cleaning. I I'm say the that. only one that cleans, cleans up the poop, but... <laughs> But there's still I mean, enormous amount of people. We have staff now. Thank you sure. to all the staff that yeah. <laughs> um, that, that Lewis was down here. though. Yeah, he was pretty cool. But honestly, though, he it's good in a lot of ways that he does have lines. Okay. Because you probably I would have had like 
you know, large animals in here all the time and stuff, <laughs> like you know, running around. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't know where <laughs> I my mean, line you sometimes have had large animals in here. I've we seen have, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where my line would have been if yeah. his line hadn't been, yeah, you know, the chickens. Yeah. So, but not a 700 pound pig. <laughs> Yeah, or and and not a cow. Sure, not a two thousand pound cow. Yeah. Okay. So, but so. I mean, do you have any other explanation? Like, why did you allow all the animals into your home? Was there like an intentionality to it, or was it no. literally just, oh, that chicken wants to come in, let's let them in? Yeah, it was just like they would come over to the door and we'd be like, oh, okay, that was it. You can come in. Wow. Yeah. And so, well, but there, not a there are people too, right? They want. Yeah, but like, I just still think it's I mean, it's it kind was, of an odd thing. It was just like why why like, wouldn't you let them well, in? Though? Just, yeah. Like why do you let your dog in the house? Well, because they're part of the family. Well, well exactly. so are the yeah. animals. Okay. The, the so that's it. You just you just saw part of the family. It. You saw it. They're part of the family and it's mean to leave them outside. Yeah. That's really adorable. Like, it doesn't even occur to me to yeah. think not to let them in. Yeah. To be yeah. honest. Anyways, it's cool. That was very unique. I mean, I don't even remember the first time I came here. It was probably, what year was it? 2015? 2015. 2015, yeah. 2015, the first time I came. It's not even that long ago. Seven years. It feels like, it feels like a lifetime ago because I feel like I've known you for my entire life, but... Um, which would be longer than your life, <laughs> large margin. But yeah, I remember the first time I came here, that was the thing that struck me because I'd never been to a sanctuary. Actually, no, there's one other sanctuary, but I won't even talk about that sanctuary because that sanctuary has some <laughs> other problems. But anyways, uh, a sanctuary that was well run and seemed like it was, it was not just letting animals in the household because everything was out of control, but because this is just like an intentional decision we've made to, to live with the animals. So and I thought it was beautiful because I love being around the animals. You know, I just never occurred to me. I mean, even when I, I had chickens in my apartment, the first two farm animals I had rescued were two chickens, but I kept them in the bathroom. They were very segregated from everyone else. Mm-hmm. It never even occurred to me they could live with my dogs and my cats. I was always very scared that my dogs would kill them. So I, there were two doors that separated them. They were in a bathroom in the back bedroom, and I always kept two doors closed because I always thought there's no chance these animals are going to live together. And, and I wasn't keeping them permanently either. But, and this is also an apartment, not a house. But it just never occurred to me that you could just live with chickens running around on your bed and on your couch and raising their babies on your couch. (laughs) Anyways, I interrupted you. So continue your story. So Olive is having these babies, which you allow her to do. Yeah. So she, so she'd had these babies um, and I think this is a good time for a public announcement that we also should not let animals have babies. So (laughs) to be clear. To be clear, we do not want to breed animals. Yeah. To be clear, obviously, like you didn't breed them though. She bred herself. That's that was her true. choice. We so I almost thought you were going she... in the other direction with what you just said about uh-huh. how much she wanted to raise her babies. And like my dogs, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit something here that a lot of people are gonna hate me for this. My dog's not neutered, folks. And I didn't spay Lisa until she had a palmetra, which you know a lot of people are gonna say is very irresponsible. But it's I, I did think in my head. You know, maybe what if she expresses to me at some point that she really wants to have this experience? And who am I to deny her this experience? I'm not, I'm, I, I have spayed and neutered many animals. And for the record, I do think there's an overpopulation problem. I think there are a lot of irresponsible guardians, but I also think there's serious questions we should ask about that. And I yeah. thought what you said about all was really beautiful about how she really wanted to raise babies. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I think that there's obviously that issue, you know, if, if we're if you know, there's an overpopulation issue with humans too, um, yeah. so if humans, we don't go around right. spaying and neutering humans, sure. Right. But uh, you know, in, in general, I, I I do still though believe like you shouldn't have. Let them we have we should yeah I, we should 
rescue because it, it, it inhibits the ability to rescue, rescue more. more. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, especially with these genetically modified breeds, mm-hmm. you know, we really don't want to be breeding more, more animals that have all of these health issues, sure. you know, if, if we can avoid it. Um, so, you know, now we definitely don't yeah. try to let our, our birds um, hatch their eggs. And um, if we have like a broody hen and we happen to rescue chicks, oftentimes we can give the chicks to that broody hen and she can raise them as her own, which mm-hmm. they always love. And then the baby chicks we rescue get to have a mom too. So mm-hmm. that's always um, really great um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of a win-win because they get sure. babies in more chickens get rescued with olive was it a decision to have her allow yeah. you actually said it's oh, a decision you actually decided because you saw taking, her spruiting so much yeah. and yeah we just didn't have meeting. the heart to take, take her the eggs, eggs away. away or not let her go to her eggs yeah okay. it was yeah. just like we couldn't do that to her why didn't you think couldn't you just use fake eggs yeah a bit of that i mean that felt mean to like May, yeah. What she's gonna sit on these fake eggs for twenty one days? deceptive. And then, yeah. right? And, and then, like, at what point out. is she gonna realize they're never gonna hatch? Yeah. Like we have we have two female geese, and so we don't have a male goose, so their eggs aren't fertile. Sure. But they'll sit on their eggs as if the eggs as if they're hatch, fertile, yeah. and they'll and because you know there's they're not gonna hatch, they just sit on them for like months in the spring. Really? Wow. Um. So like she would have just been sitting on like wooden eggs. For, for like months mm-hmm. and they never would have hatched because they were wooden. Um, I mean, you can, there are like mean things people do to like break broodiness out of a hen, like dunking them in cold water and what? like weird stuff that I don't even think probably works. The point of that story is she had chicks and obviously 50% of, of them were roosters. So uh, we had to build a barn so that each rooster could have their own coop. Wow. Um, wow. So that's why we ended that's up a lot of work. at yeah. the lower coop. That's how that barn ended up getting yeah. built. Um, well, that's a plus. I mean, yeah. Maybe. So, <laughs> but because we were building that barn anyway, my mom said when I asked about the, when the whole uh, chicken rescue. The chicken rescue. You already said, had another said, barn. Yeah, she that said, was all right, okay. fine. We can rescue 12 hens. Okay. But that's it. Can you explain why you need separate barns for the roosters? For yeah, those so folks roosters, who don't understand this? Yeah. To be clear, roosters can live in the same coop at night. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't always work out. And we had some fighting issues, you know. So they were like, you know, running around outside and uh, free ranging during the day. They were fine together. But at night when they were like close together in a coop, um, so they have to be in a coop at night for predator safety, um, you know, being just crammed together like that. I mean, they not crammed together. They, you know, had a decent amount of space in the coop, but just being in an enclosed space, yeah. um, they, they would fight overnight. So we wanted to separate um, yeah. some of the boys overnight. Yeah, and if you've ever seen a rooster fight, it's vicious. Like, I've yeah. seen a couple of them. I mean, I've seen lots of little tussles, but I've seen, like, like do you remember Dave? So Dave was May's boyfriend. <laughs> remember May May? Mm-hmm. You all met May May a long time ago. But mm-hmm. yeah. May yeah. was the first hen that we rescued as direct action everywhere. And yeah. she had a partner named Dave. And May May was a disabled hen. She had some cognitive difficulties because she was found in a state of starvation and had lost like 80% of her body weight, could not walk. She was in terrible shape and never came fully back. So she had to be separated from the other chickens because she get bullied too much. Um, and Dave was the one who ended up bonding with her because he was a rooster who got fucked up badly by another rooster. And he was like in tatters after the fight. And yeah. when roosters fight, I mean, they've got these spurs that are like spears they can stab each other with. Um, their claws are pretty powerful. They can peck. They'll like peck at each other's eyes very viciously. Yeah. And it is like, 
it's scary. I mean, it's this is why people like cockfights, unfortunately, because there are. I mean, it's it's weird because it's it's disturbing, but it also is just you can't not look in the same way you can't not look at a car accident when two roosters are fighting. So. It is dangerous to put two roosters are in an enclosed space. Are you saying like watching car accidents? <laughs> no, I'm saying you can't stop <laughs> looking. Yeah, I'm I saying just... I don't want to look. Even or if you, you could intervene you... and separate yeah. them, but that's a whole other yeah. thing because, um, you know, the way the roosters figure out the Speaking pecking order. Chicken yeah. care class. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's my natural go-to. That's okay. I think it's interesting. That. But... If they don't have the chance to fight it out, they'll never figure yeah. out then, who's in charge or yep. who's who's the top dog. And, and then when they do fight it out, it's going to be particularly brutal because no one's going to give up. And, yeah. yeah, and I mean, it depends because sometimes you run into roosters that where they both will just keep fighting. Yeah. And that's the problem with cockfighting yeah. is that those roosters have been bred to mm-hmm. just fight to the death and yeah. they, they don't they stop. They won't give up, yeah. And it's, it's amazing because you can, I mean, even one stab, like I've been stabbed with a spur before and it leaves a puncture wound in you. It's like a spear. I mean, it's, it, it hurts a lot. Like I got stabbed in the knee once and I, thank God it didn't hit a ligament or a tendon because I just put a hole in my knee and mm-hmm. they will basically have multiple holes in their bodies and keep fighting. It's yeah. just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how, and it's, it's part of me is kind of in awe of these roosters, but then it's like, ah, oh, what have we done to them? You know, someone like they're so me, tough. Someone once told me that they were at another sanctuary and there was a piece of broken glass on the ground <laughs> mm-hmm. and a rooster picked up, picked up the piece of broken glass and attacked her with it. Oh my God. <laughs> didn't she, didn't the rooster stab her with yeah. the glass? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I totally believe it too. Her with it. They're roosters, so smart. They're territorial. So smart. They are smart and they're, ter- so, I mean, this is why people who say chickens are stupid just don't know chickens. They really don't <laughs> yeah. understand them. They, they do all sorts of ridiculous things you wouldn't expect even like a human child to do. Like I wouldn't, well, I mean, I hope a human child would grab me as a glass, but even like, I wouldn't even think about it. I mean, I would, they wouldn't know how to use it properly, but this rooster's like, oh, I can use this to stab you and they will do it. Yeah. <laughs> if they're mad clever. and they were territorial, but. Yeah. 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 But the story um, is we ended up um, find uh, the, so we had the rooster separated and then we ended up um, agreeing to, to rescue 12 hens. Can, can I actually ask you one more question on that? Have you had a bad rooster fight here? Yes. You have? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about that and what what you did in response? Do you want to take that sure. one, Zoe? Uh, yeah, we had um, a rooster who he was like, he was, I think, part cockfighting rooster breed. Mm. Um, Are you talking about King George? Yeah, King George. He was, but he wasn't like fully, so we thought he would, we were hoping he'd be okay with everyone. And he had been up until this point okay with everybody. And we had him for most of his life out with everybody and he, he was okay. But, um, there was one time when we had introduced a new rooster, um, and he was like fighting and this rooster was a lot bigger than him. And King George would just not give up. Like Mm. he was losing the fight, but he would not give up. Um, and yeah, the fight ended up. And was he getting pecked? Was it spurs? Did you see what was happening? Um, I'm sure you're trying to separate them too. Well, we were trying to let them work it out at first. Okay. And then. Because you thought the, the pecking order right. would develop and then, you know, King right. George would figure out I'm we smaller than him. We thought he would him. stop. Yeah. We, thought, we figured point. he would stop and then they would be fine because that's usually what happens. Because King George was the aggressor. Yeah. He was the But one he was also him. losing. Yeah, he was losing, even though he was the aggressor. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so it's like Vladimir Putin right now. Maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a good joke. That's actually kind of tasteless. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Yeah. So he he basically um, ended this is up. How like, people are going to know we don't edit this podcast when we leave that in? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that was a terrible thing to say. But go ahead. Yeah. But um, yeah. So and it ended up basically the other rooster like ended up kind of scalping him a little bit. Um, and you could like see his skull. You could see his skull. Oh my um, gosh. He ended up being fine. How did he get sculpted? Was I it, mean, we felt terrible pecked? that we, we let yeah. it go that far. We, that was so it was pecking, you think, that caused it? Or was it um, a claw or spur? Yeah. Pecking. Yeah, pecking. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, so in that instance, we should have separated So you could see his bone. Sooner. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, if you do have roosters, I, I think like if you see it blood, yeah, it's that's a, when you at stop. that point you, you should separate them, and um, you know we we should have separated in yeah. that instance. We should have separated them sooner. So what happened to King George? He ended up being okay. okay. He yeah, was he was fine. totally fine. Really? He he lived for years and After years. That. He just yeah, um, I, think, I, I knew passed King away like about a year ago. Yeah, I, I knew King George. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't yeah, realize he had a great he, life. Actually, maybe you did tell me that he was like a feisty one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did mellow out though yeah. in he his did. old age. Yeah, and a as lot of roosters, do. as they mm-hmm. get older, they'll they'll mellow out. I, I would say like the first spring yeah. is when roosters are the most aggressive. Yeah, well, it's it's like human males too. I mean, if you look at the the crime charts, like as men get into their fifties and sixties, crime violent crime basically mm-hmm. disappears, and by far the most violent men, and it is almost entirely men who commit violent crimes, yeah. are like eighteen, nineteen year olds. You know, these yeah. raging hormonal young humans who have no other way to unleash their rage and, and, and resentment on the world than attacking somebody. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so before we judge these creatures, let's look at ourselves. I mean, we right. do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in old men too, you know, like again, Vladimir Putin, he's, he hasn't mellowed out. Apparently he still wants to kill. And it's like, <laughs> okay, so tell the story about happy hen and then, and then I think we'll close up. So we ended up rescuing, um, 12, uh, hens from a, a local factory egg farm. How? Um, we actually ended up, um, well, so we basically contacted Cal Poly, mm-hmm. which is, um, a local university here in San Luis Obispo and they're largely an ag school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they have like basically like simulation factory farms in in a way on campus, They're like training factory farms to right. teach the students about yeah. factory farming. Yeah, so it's like kind of like factory farming, but like on a somewhat smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Their egg farm is like pretty. I would say out of all of their factory farming units on campus, the egg farm is the most like an actual, an actual factory, factory farm. farm. I would say their egg farm just is an actual factory farm. How many animals? How many birds? Um, know? I don't know. Probably like they have. I think two or three barns and it's at, I think like 2,000 birds per barn. Okay. So that's a lot. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say maybe tens of thousands. They have a lot of chickens. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, but yeah, so we, we reached out to them and um, they agreed for like, it, we ended up actually paying them like $10 per bird and they gave us mm-hmm. birds. We eventually worked it out with them where they, were, they just gave us birds for okay. free. Um, but yeah, the first time we did it, we had a it hard was. time. It's kind of funny now to look back, but when yeah. we first started the sanctuary, we Couldn't didn't know how to get the chickens. how yeah. to rescue animals. At the, yeah. the first, we literally like we didn't know what we were doing, and we literally drove around like ag country looking for egg farms because we I thought I I'd found a egg farm on Google Earth, mm-hmm. and we were gonna we were just gonna like drive Knock up on their door, oh, and say, like, yeah. Yeah. Santa Maria, we were, huh? yeah, in yeah. Santa Maria, and mm-hmm. we were just gonna go up there and say, hey, would you surrender some of your birds? Yeah. Um, but we got there and honestly, if you went with a little kid, they might've just said, yes, yeah, they, they throw away so many birds, especially if you went with a kid, I yeah. bet 
Yeah, yeah but we like got there. One of there, the bar, it, farm it, managers was said, ah, I'm a little yeah. kid. Yeah. It turned out like the Google Earth image was like super old and that mm. farm didn't exist anymore. So we were like just driving around looking for it for like an hour. And then eventually we just went with Wait, the Cal who's, Poly situation. Is this situation. you going with her? Just yes. Yeah. Wow. So eventually yeah. we just went with the Cal Poly situation. We didn't feel good about the money thing. Sure. And, um, but yeah, eventually we obviously figured out that there are better ways to rescue birds than, sure. than to do that. Um, but when we rescued And that was those, the last time we ever paid yeah. for mm-hmm. any animal. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, it's, it, the reality is it is it, we're this weird thing where until you're plugged into the network of people right. do these sorts of rescues and then there's like an infinite number. Yeah, like, now oh my God, we're just... It's so many like, animals. Now we're like, but how do we not find birds to rescue? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like when I got started, I mean, I my first rescue or attempted farm animal rescue that's not true my first rescue was the chickens and that was but that was a weird situation where they're actually taken from a punk show and i've told that story before mm-hmm. so i think i even told it to you but it was like animals used as a prop and i just went and took them but um mm-hmm. the the first rescue rescue i did was at a slaughterhouse and i just walked in and took them and i honestly if there had been like a more reasonable and in many ways i'm kind of lucky i was not in the network because yeah. if there had been a more reasonable method of rescuing animals that I wouldn't have just walked into a slaughterhouse and attempted to take a lamb. Yeah. And then I would not have had the very transformative experience of realizing this was astonishingly easy. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it had the transformative experience of hearing animals dying and smelling the blood and feeling the fear of the animals inside that slaughterhouse, yeah. which was a very important experience for me to have. So I'm almost arguing myself out of my own position, which is what I was about to say. I wish more people had... You know, no, the no, access to these networks, but yeah. I think I think that was a unique thing for me. Yeah, as a sure. general matter, it probably is better that people who are suicidal like me do not walk into factory farms and slaughterhouses with no preparation or training, no biosecurity. I'm admitting all the mistakes I made back in 2006 or whenever it was when I first yeah. walked into a slaughterhouse. Um, it would have been better if I just knew people who knew how to do farm animal yeah. rescue. But yeah. sometimes you just have to start. You do, you know, yeah. like that's kind of what I've learned in my life. Oh yeah, and I don't regret doing it. Yeah, it wasn't the best method, but, but I, I know you did something. It. I did right? something. Well, I didn't save anybody because I I walked in, <laughs> you know, veal calves. Turns out they're like two hundred pound animals, and, <laughs> and lambs that slaughter little baby lambs. I thought uh-huh. it was like you know little Bo Peep. I'm gonna come out with a little lamb that's like as big as my puppy, and yeah. they're like hundred forty pounds, and they kick and run, and you know, I was kind of like able- Maverick on the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for shaming me again for my failed rescue attempt. I was trying to rescue Maverick. No, it was worse than Maverick because, I mean, sheep, we just saw, like, with, with, with um, Gus and Jasmine. I mean, it's, it's yeah, pretty hard to... Yeah, you pick them up. Yeah, I mean, and these, they were in stockyards, but the stockyards are big enough. The lambs are yeah. faster than me, and they're running oh, away. Yeah. And I didn't want to, like, go on a full sprint to try and tackle one. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was just impossible for me to take any of these There's lambs There's no out. way you could have yeah. done it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this ended up being a transformative experience, too, because awesome. we, they, so this guy who runs the poultry unit at Cal Poly, I don't know if he still does, but uh, at the time, um, he went in and he got the 12 hens and he, he would carry them, like, in groups oh. of three, he would carry them out, holding them upside down in yeah, bunches by, the by their legs. So sad. And then he would stuff them into a cardboard box. Um, and the, at this, this was before prop two went into effect. So were these were leghorns? All, yeah. They were yeah. white leghorns leg and they'd all been living in battery cages. Oh, poor baby. And it um, smelled, uh, you know, obviously, yeah. but that was my first experience really with the smell yeah. of, of egg. Well, actually, no, that's not even true. Yeah. What am I saying? I, I had had that in veterinary school. Sure. But, but it'd been a long time. It, it had been a long time. It mm-hmm. was, you know. Because you graduated really school in the 1998. Yeah. So it, I, I guess, 
it just impacted me in a different way. Yeah. I don't know. Just the smell. Yeah, there's something about, I mean, even bird poop. I had a bird poop experience earlier today because your dog, Gimli, ate some poop <laughs> and then licked me in the face. And I was like, what does that smell? And then I saw him eating more bird poop. I was like, that's what that smell is. Even just like one cluster of bird poop that's partially digested and mixed up with the dog's saliva <laughs> is a pretty awful God. smell. Uh-huh. Imagine 10,000 birds pooping every single day on top of each other in the yeah. same exact place, it very rarely being cleaned. And to the extent it is cleaned, it's just thrown into like a little clump, a pile right next to the farm. Yeah. That is the smell you get. Mm-hmm. It's yes. not a good smell. It's and I, I, I am terrified about the prospect of anyone living anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Just from a purely aesthetic perspective, I don't know how anyone could live like that. But obviously, there are a lot of disease concerns too, like salmonella. Right. Know? But Yeah, but yeah. At the time, I was... This is kind of <laughs> random, but I was really obsessed with the Wizard of Oz books. Hmm. Um, and obviously, like, a huge, like, kind of a huge part of that story is um, Dorothy going from, like, this bleak, sad life in Kansas um, and then ending up in this beautiful world of Oz. Um, and that was, like, when we had the, when we were sitting in the coop letting the chickens out with you know the sun shining through the windows and letting them out of those boxes and they were seeing the sky for the first time like you know yeah. feeling something soft oh. beneath their feet for the first time um I just kept thinking, like, this is like Dorothy going to Oz. Oh, and we so still and we have named, Dorothy. Yeah, we named one of the hens Dorothy. Dorothy. Wow. We still She's have her. She's still with us. Yeah. We still have her. Um, I just yeah. want to amplify something you just said that's so important because it is so sad that so many of these animals have never yeah. felt something soft. Yeah. You've I ever agree. had a dog yeah. or a cat? Or if you're just a living creature, you know how important when you're resting softness is. It's not yeah. fun to sleep on wire or to sleep on concrete, or sleep on all these things that we force so many of these animals yeah. to sleep on. And, you know, we were just hanging out with Edna, a disabled pig, and she loves her little bed of, yeah. of straw, you know, or sand. And she doesn't want to sleep on concrete or, or, or hard metal. And, yeah. like, I, I just, I, I, I try to imagine what these chickens are going through when their entire lives they've only been on wire and, and only felt this, their physical universe is just harsh. Yeah. Every moment of their existence is just harshness. Mm-hmm. And that first experience, stepping on soft grass. And there's so many beautiful videos of this. And it's, it's uncanny how similar it is across mm-hmm. many different... Because there is so much uniqueness about every individual hen. I mean, you mentioned... Which, which of the chickens was it that looked up at you with the curiosity? Eddie. Eddie. That there's, you know, and that's true. Like There's some chickens that are like more interested in human beings mm-hmm. and some that are less. Yeah. Some chickens that like grass a little more some like it more and and some like sand i mean everyone's different just like human beings and dogs like all of us have had dogs now even the same breed like you know there were three beagles we rescued from ridgeland all three of them are completely different we had three rescued three dogs from ealing china like they're all completely fucking different same litter same genes or same initial genes at least but and and their personalities are like 180 degrees different and chickens are the same but one thing that is the same across all the chickens and animals that I've seen that have been in cages, including Julie, is when they feel softness for the first time, it's like you can almost see them exhale and like, oh, it's okay. Like I can yeah. rest now. Like, and because it's, it's so stressful to be in physical pain. And oh. if you're sleeping on something that's hard, you are in pain constantly. Yeah. You can't feel safe and you can't feel comfortable. Yeah. And to live your entire life like that, it's just... Why do we do these things? And we don't yeah. have to. I don't know. It's, but it's so powerful to see them come out. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful and, experience. And it is. Yeah. Seeing like the, them transforming from this life on the factory farm, I think is where we kind of just realized we couldn't 
just rescue 12, mm. you know, like we had to give more animals this experience of being able to come out of these yeah. factory farms, out of these horrible places and get to see the world and experience the world as it should be experienced. Um, so we ended up rescuing 12 more and, um, we just we rescued more. We started working with um, you know bigger organizations like Animal, Animal Place, Place and eventually sure. Direct Action Everywhere and um, yeah things just kind of took off from there. We had um, someone want to donate a hundred dollars after the first initial twelve hen rescue. Hmm. So that's when we kind of that kind of launched us into getting incorporated as a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Wow, was this um, someone on Facebook on social yeah, media? Yeah, on Facebook. Cool. Um, it's actually really funny because I had been messaging with her like to coordinate picking up her donation. Um, she worked at the San Luis Obispo History Museum and we went down there to meet up with her, um, my mom and I, um, just this random woman I'd been messaging with on Facebook and she didn't know I was okay. 11. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we, my mom and I get there and she looks at my mom and she goes, so you must be Zoe. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm Zoe. I don't think I knew you were 11 when I first... Did I know? I don't, well, you I didn't. didn't know me until you met me before you knew me on social media. Okay. She was messaging all kinds of people all over the world. Oh and nobody I, knew I was she like, was 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah, like that was message, like the NSW hen rescue person. Yeah, because your know. profile photo was like a chicken, right? right. Yeah, my profile <laughs> picture, my profile picture I think at the I time. I remember that Zoe was, Rooster. It was yeah, it was and Zoe Rooster. at the beginning of my animal rescue career, it was a picture of um, our hen Herky, who was one of the Aww. two first chickens we had gotten. Um, and who's a rooster? Oh no, hen. No, she you was said a hen. hen. Okay. Uh, it was a picture of her wearing a birthday crown that I, I made I remember for her this. out of paper. No, I, I totally remember <laughs> I this really? photo. Yeah, I still remember. <laughs> this photo it's probably yeah. if we go back to your facebook profile oh, yeah. photos, it's probably still there i yeah. remember herky so if someone, i don't think i ever knew her name but i remember who's that weirdo with a hen with a crown is a profile photo <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i thought you were weird initially <laughs> and i still think you're weird <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, um. she's just like you don't think she's weird now she's still weird <laughs> yeah yeah if you if you go back through my profile pictures you can probably see it yeah. first profile picture i ever had Little on facebook yeah. i think i took the picture Did while you? zoe or maybe no. i was holding herky i don't know oh. but anyway um yeah so nobody knew who who i was and um actually like it's pretty cool because kath with Catherine, things have come full circle and I, i'm still in touch with her today and now i'm in her book oh that's um, awesome Catherine is the person at nsw Hemisphere, yeah and, yeah and, um, in australia mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and she's still doing awesome work yeah out there you yeah know, i've talked to her a little bit she's um, great. rescuing a lot of birds and yeah. um, they had a horrible incident a couple of years ago where they were trying to rescue these hens who were going to be killed at a factory farm and a bunch of um, security like came and tackled them while they were trying to carry the birds out. Uh, yeah, and I've seen the video footage. It, it's it was just a, a horrible thing, but yeah, they're they're doing really awesome stuff out That's there awesome. still. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've gone, I think, well over two hours now. So I'm gonna end with a, a question for both of you that I've asked a lot of my guests on this podcast because you've all gone through a lot of changes, you know, and adversity. And we'll talk more about the diversity maybe in a future conversation because I didn't even talk to you about diabetes and coming out and all these things that I thought were mm-hmm. interesting dimensions because Zoe's had and, and Tristan too I mean going through vet school and being the lone you know vegan I think or vegetarian in vet school um, but you've gone through all these changes so what advice do you give people who are, are, are going through some change and struggling both on the individual level and you know I, I think both of you have been involved in institutional changes of various sorts whether it's 
some of the legislative work that you've done. Sherston is an expert witness, which actually we didn't even talking about any of that. All the expert testimony you've provided for so many different campaigns or, or the institutional campaigns you've done now at UC Berkeley or even just focusing on some of the stuff in San Luis Obispo you tried to do. What, what have you learned about change from your experiences both as an activist and just as an individual human being on this planet about change? I, I guess I could go first. Um, I guess I've learned that change sometimes happens really fast. Like you, after you've expected that nothing would ever change mm. and then all of a sudden it changes. Yeah. Like, um, when I was in veterinary school, um, my veterinary school was still using dogs in terminal surgeries to teach students mm. how to do surgery. What's a terminal surgery? It's where, um, usually dogs, but it could be any animal, um, where a dog is used, um, is the subject, um, of a surgery is being operated on and anesthetized by veterinary students. And then the dog is euthanized after mm -hmm. the surgery. And this is an unnecessary surgery. Right. right? And it's this just, is a healthy, a, animal, yeah, a healthy that, animal that, that could just go on and live animal. a full okay. life. Yeah. Just and, so your audience understands right, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Um, and which is awful. I mean, it's terrible. It what's happening to dogs. I mean, it any is. animal, but especially dogs. It's shocking. Yeah. Any animal, mm -hmm. any animal. It's just horrifying to imagine an animal just being killed period for any reason, but it's, it's yeah. anyway, it's completely unnecessary. Um, you don't need to kill dogs to learn how to do surgery. Um, but when I was in veterinary school, we did actually have the option to, to um, learn in an alternative way for our general surgery class. But for the um, more advanced surgery course, there was no option. And it, it was the other students really seemed to feel that they, in order to be a good surgeon, you just had to kill a dog in wow. surgery lab. Jesus. And so it was, it felt like swimming upstream to not do it that way. But there was no way I was going to kill a dog mm -hmm. to, to so learn how to do class. surgery. No, I took the class um, and I had a, a good friend of mine who felt the same way. And we went to the, the dean of the vet school and persuaded him to let us um, find an alternative. And mm, so wow. we actually had to source our own ethical, ethically sourced cadavers. Wow. So, um, you know, they had to be, and this was our standard. They had to, um, be animals that were euthanized for a good reason by mm -hmm, mm -hmm. their owners. And, um, and then the owners had to give permission for their animals to be used Use. for okay. education. Hmm. And, so, but it, it was so hard. I mean, we faced so many obstacles that I won't get into here, but, um, you know, the, the hardest thing was having the other students make us feel like we were not going to be good surgeons, sure. which was so not true. You're not tough enough. Or we're not tough enough. Yeah. We like, why are, why are we even there anyway? If we can't wow. handle it, you know, I mean, nobody said that, but sure. they didn't have to, you, yeah. you feel it. Sure. It's, um, it was, yeah, it was tough. But then about two years later, I remember hearing that 
they had switched all to all the alternative program wow. and they were not doing any terminal surgeries anymore yeah. at the school. That's amazing. And this was at UC Davis mm-hmm. and it just blew me away yeah. that it had changed that much. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's a change I've seen in my lifetime. And then, you know, even with things like vegan um, products and alternatives, I mean, when I was in veterinary school, I I did kind of dabble with being... I was a vegetarian at that time. It was the 90s, so there weren't very many vegans then. I didn't become vegan just permanently until I think it was 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't looked back since then. But um, But when I was in veterinary school, there were time periods where I was vegan, and it was a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, and just to see the change that's happened in really what's not that much time. Yeah. You know, there's vegan alternatives to everything. I mean, it would have been so easy to go vegan now. Yeah. But, I mean, back then you actually had to give up stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a vegan burger in McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Come on. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Not that I'm saying McDonald's is great and I'd much rather you go get a field roast burger than a McPlant, but... To get the McClant, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, no, and it, I think a lot of what what makes things happen for people is when it's convenient. Yeah. I think convenience is a really driving factor in our lives. Yeah, and knowing that you can live your life pretty much the same way you did before, um, but but stop harming others. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Zoe, so, what's your advice? I think the biggest thing I'd want to say to people about just change in general is that it's possible. Because mm-hmm. I think like one of the um, earliest experience I had getting into animal rights and just activism and nonprofit work and that world in general was I remember um, it was probably about a year or so after we'd started Happy Hen. Um, we were at Animal Places Rescue Ranch participating in one of their... Um, big rescues of uh, about 2,000 egg-laying hens from a factory farm. And I was helping um, some staff and volunteers do animal care and take care of all the birds. And people were talking about how the world was never going to change. And if it did, it was going to be in thousands of years. People were always going to hurt animals. People were always going to eat animals. This is an animal place? Mm -hmm. The staff? That's yeah, surprising to me. and volunteers. Because this is an animal rights sanctuary, right? Yeah. This is a place where people are supposedly... Yeah, no, it was, all, it was all people who believed in animal rights. They just and didn't think it was going to happen. They just didn't think, yeah, they just didn't think it was going to happen. Wow, that's depressing. Um, and I, you know, I was 12 years old probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember sitting there thinking like, well, like, you know, if if we just act like it's never going to happen... And, you know, have this attitude that, no, it's not. (laughs) Um, And, like, I was really upset to see that, like, at the time, I think that was, like, the general mentality within the animal rights movement. Yeah. Was that this isn't possible. Mm -hmm. That there's, like, a lot of people that it's not even worth trying because it's not going to happen. And there are still people today who I think feel this way, that, you know, it's not worth fighting because, you know, there's no hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, change is possible. 
changes are already happening. They've been happening. And I feel like just in the last few years of more and more people taking action for animals and um, doing, you know, whatever it is they can to contribute. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> Maverick, I, I was, Maverick, Maverick the dog the who destroyed the, the podcast about an hour yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the chair and he's looking like, at our we're, audio. We're wrapping up here. Here we go again. Audio person right now. <laughs> Look at those eyes. Like, those are so <laughs> mischievous. He's looking at Caleb right now. I'm like, I'm about to do this again, and you're not going to stop me. I dare you to try. I and dare Maverick, you. And Maverick is, is um, another force of change. You know, He's he, definitely a force most, of change. Most dogs would have said it wasn't possible to disrupt <laughs> to the, the podcast. <laughs> it's not possible to get on the table. And Maverick said, He's done it. You know what? He's the first animal who's ever it. disrupted this podcast. So all you the know, credit to him. I wouldn't have guessed it would job. be him either. Yeah. Maverick, you're a legend, my friend. You are a legend. <laughs> He's not but, eating his own paw. <laughs> <laughs> he does that. Um, yeah, but I just think it's it's really important that we believe in the ability to create change because um, I just think that the you know being down about it and um, not having hope is not a recipe to create change. Yeah. So we have to have you know faith that it can happen. Yeah. Um, and it, it is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we uh, at UC Berkeley, we've gotten UC Berkeley to drop several suppliers in very short amount of time yeah. with very few people. Like we barely have anybody <laughs> in as part of who are part of as part of the DXC UC Berkeley group that yeah. I've started. There's barely anybody in this group, and we've already done yeah, so done much. Work. So like a small sure. group of people can do so much, and imagine how much we could do if there were even more animal rights activists, even more people taking action. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just say believe that change is possible. It's righteous advice I and mean, a great that's way to conclude the podcast. Advice. And I'll just say, I think that's even more true of personal change. If there's yeah. something in your personal life you want to change, it, honestly, like I think the line from Ratatouille is so true that it's about <laughs> cooking. It's everybody can cook. Not everyone can be the greatest chef in the world. So it's yeah. not, I'm not going to say that if you set out a dream, you're definitely going to achieve it. What you can sure. do is make progress. And that's mm-hmm. what Ratatouille meant or Remy meant when he said everyone can cook. Yeah. doesn't mean everyone can be the great chef, but everyone can cook and try and get better at cooking. That's true of everything in life. So yeah. believe in yourself, believe in a better world, and let's make it together. All right? Yeah. Thanks, everyone. This is an often conversation, and I got through one item on my list of things <laughs> I could possibly talk about. So we'll do it again sometime. Okay? Okay. Right. Sounds good. See you next time. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hope you had fun with that conversation as much as I had participating in it. And in many ways, I felt like you were there um, with me. I I always do, uh, actually. And it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to make this podcast more participatory. Because when I'm having these conversations, I always feel like there's another seat at the table. And and I try to imagine someone being there. So um, and in many ways, you know, uh, we've actually tried to do this by interjecting your comments or questions. And this one was recorded a while back, so we didn't get a chance to do that for this one. But you know, stay tuned for future opportunities to even make a little audio recording of a question or comment you have for one of our future guests. And speaking of which, one of our future guests is going to be a social psychologist who studies the art of persuasion and political conversation. So if you have a question for a Stanford social psychologist who studies political dialogue, um, let us know what questions you have about politics. But as always, I'm going to thank everyone for for listening and all the people who supported this podcast. Um, Shalom Lafakis is, is editing this podcast as I speak. Um, Julie Waldrop, Priya Sahani, Dean Wierzykowski has helped out recently. Ronnie Rose, obviously, is a co-executive producer. Caleb Sims was sitting in on this conversation, helping to record, driving all the way from L.A. four hours um, to sit on this conversation and help us uh, manage it. And, and as you saw, there were some 
difficulties. <laughs> so I'm glad Caleb was there. But uh, but yeah, and, and and as always, thank thanks to all of you. Um, I know I'm I'm trying to provide a, a little more participation in these outros. I don't have a comment lined up, honestly, because I forgot <laughs> to pull a comment for this outro. But but I have heard from a lot of you just sharing your love and support for me uh, today is actually the day before my birthday when I'm recording this. Um, this podcast is going to come out a few days after my birthday. But for all of you who contributed to my birthday fundraiser, who offered me some support as we get ready for trial, who offered me um, some, some kindness and compassion as I'm struggling to deal with my cat's very serious illness, love you all. So much gratitude. I wouldn't be able to do the things I'm doing, including this podcast, without you. And I really mean that because there have been a lot of times in the last year Whew, where it's been hard and I don't think I would have been able to get through it without you. So thanks so much. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with a friend, rate it on the podcast app you use, post it on social media and let everyone know what we're trying to do here. All right. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time.